Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a conversation in progress where you're going to plan your education hat, where this is a BJD recording. We was talking about some Kanye shit. Was I correct, Mike, in saying that? Am I caught up? Yeah. Yes, we were. What, what everyone has missed is that we briefly touched on suffrage. We have touched Sojourner Truth. I haven't heard that since high school was thrown up. And uh, my, my my favorite point, Brintron drops some knowledge on some Zionism. Yeah. Jones, please resume, Mike. You had, you had some Kanye stuff that hit you. I, I'm just, I just don't want to cut the audience out of it because this is, uh, this is fire. Okay. I just, I, I don't, hmm. all right. I don't hear a lot of people discussing the fact that it's not, it is not Semitic, right? Or I'm sorry, it's not anti-Semitic to claim that black Jews are a thing, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely wrong for kind. It might be misguided, especially in the way that he means it, because we've been getting real weird lately, like with the "I love Hitler" and the Nazis aren't all bad stuff. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the part about like black folks being able to share some some ground with Jewish folks is literally biblical in the regular Bible. One of one of Solomon's favorite wives was a black lady from East Africa. Mm-hmm. And to this day, you got people who both share blood with that lineage and practice the Jewish faith. It's not even that big of a deal. Right? Now, one of the one of the issues that I have with the whole Israel versus Palestine conversation is that you get to, if you support Israel, but not necessarily Palestinians, or if you're a Jewish person who appears to be white, you get to dance around, jump back and forth between I'm Jewish faith practicing, but my skin is white, but I'm allowed to be white and a Jew because it's both my faith. But I also have some blood. So you can't really tell me that I'm not a member of the tribe. And it's Mm -hmm. like, people want to, they want to say, oh, the Jews are racists and they're like doing this weird thing um, where you don't you want to be you want to reserve the right to say that Israel can't do what it's doing to Palestine. But you don't want to say that in order for them to be racist and not a tribe fighting for their homeland, they have to be white folk. Right. And then. OK, let me let me slow down. If, if I can main- Go ahead. I thought you needed to take a break. Go ahead. Just my my main issue is that taking all of these slices off of identity for me is not really valuable, right? Either you are a disadvantaged group who stands in solidarity with others, Mm -hmm. or you are a struggle hopper who is shifting their identity with the conversation to just try to claim the results of some effort for equality that you didn't actually have to suffer for. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Bob. So the, this is interesting because you're sharing some, some deep thoughts we I've had out here on, 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 on the back way here. 
And uh, some of the things I noticed is that people are suffering from segregation in this modern era. I don't mean yeah. like the downtrodden obvious. I mean, everyone is. And currently, I don't know if you know this, white people are struggling for an identity. Because the simple fact is, I, we can call ourselves black. and People can say, hey, it's black people. Mike and Bob are black. But, you know, you can't not know us and walk up, hey, black man, how's it going? Be white and not have some hostility thrown your way. Hmm. Right? You ever notice that? Hmm. Like, that's a yeah. great way to start a conversation bad. You, we have a name. You can ask what that is, right? Well, yeah. what does a white guy feel like? Right? When you walk up, oh, man, it's just a white dude. It's just a white boy over here. Look at him, a white. Brentron's white. And, but I do have a, a valid question. Brentron, have you tried Fabuloso? <laughs> no, not yet. I've got, uh, a, I, I have a ridiculous amount of cleaning products that I'm having to, like, go through on a regular basis. Fabuloso is the next on, the like, the refillment thing. Okay. Because we're uh, trying to get you cultural diverse. Uh-huh. Trained, right? Is what we're doing here. But it's not a point. It's like Brentron here is Brentron. He's Brennan. Right, he's 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 fam to me, you know. He's 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 buddy. It's how it goes. It's all of us here, and I wouldn't. I don't call Brentron white. He's southern, but so what? But he could get a tan. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So, but <laughs> Brennan knows who he is. That's the point. Brennan is Brennan, no matter who he is. But I'm talking as a group. We're used to now throwing shade at white people so much. Even the Asians are in on it. <laughs> right. So, but here's what I'm saying. When you do that, I'm pointing out the segregation is everybody now, even to themselves, yeah. right? Italians stand to being Italian, Polish stands and being Polish, Russians are now Russian, although we would say uh, uh, white in ignorance. But the fact is, is that everybody is suffering from a bout of identity crisis, mm-hmm. is what you have now. They're failing to realize your culture, your history and your culture combined to help you find who you are, to take pride in who you are. Is what I'm getting at. And a lot of the points you're talking about right there, Mike, when you say that they are hopping, I would I would put money that they're not hopping. What it is is that they've never been forced to look at who they are. And they're trying things on for size. It's like the Emperor's new clothes. Mm-hmm. Right? That whole that old adage. Mm-hmm. They're trying to see if this is them. And then this might be them. And as people shatter these ideals that they're trying on, they're not scurrying away. They're realizing shit that's not me. And no, I feel more like this. And they're identifying over there. There may be straight, legit people who through your brilliance, Mike, as you talk to them, you're a brilliant guy, right? And uh, believe it or not, so is Brennan. I put Brennan, why, why say that it be disparagingly? I joke with Brennan all the time that he's formulaic. His logic is that to a computer. Uh-huh. You talk to Brennan, it's just boom, beep, 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 done. But he doesn't slow down and necessarily process the, the, the fires that can happen, as we call them, the biz, that come up from it. But Brennan is a lot like me in personality. You know, stuff happens, passion's involved, and he's he's there. But you don't get to see that on camera so much. What I really what I hit record is because Brennan threw, like, it was so refreshing to see him standing up with Mike. And by the way, leaving me and DJ in the dust. <laughs> and this topic that you went at is you were like, ba 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 ba. I was like, record this shit. <laughs> because this is exactly what I'm hoping can give you reali- realization, Mike. When you are so brilliant that your, your opponents, are not as educated or not as well-read, right? They're not erudite, if you prefer. And them not being learned on that topic, as you lean in on them, you're actually an educator who thinks you're matching wits with someone on your level, when in reality, you are probably having to educate and clarify a lot because you will lose them in the dust. They aren't able to keep up, so all they have is a natural aggression. Is it possible the people you're talking to, they definitely have that, and the only island they have is to stand at the top and die on a hill because now pride's involved. 
Would you say that's a lot what you're talking about? Yeah, because I, I've I've had to take the opposing opinion on both ends of this thing, right? With all the Kanye in the news and the mm-hmm. stupid bullshit he says about loving Hitler. Because um, I've talked to some folks who like are black folks that feel like the Jew, Jewish person is the enemy in the shadow. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? It's, it, it's racist at its outset to say so. Like you can't generalize that widely. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I've talked to some usually white folk who are seeming to enjoy themselves indicting Kanye West. Yeah. Mm. Like I don't, I obviously I think what Kanye said has been just, straight up stupid and i do think he's being more like uh used by some new friends he has than feels uh, like it yeah right uh but anyway that's a slightly different conversation the the point is like i i feel the the problem is more anytime people are in a you know bad straits or they're not where they want to be or they are lacking in things maybe in this case money they look at people that are maybe well off Right, and they group them into that. It's just scapegoating. That's what it is. That's my opinion of it. You can go into like uh, people talking about how you know Jews run Hollywood. Like they they don't run Hollywood. It is it is true that the founding of Hollywood and the in the entertainment industry on the West Coast uh, was pretty much started by a group of Jewish people that immigrated to the West because they couldn't find jobs in the East because no one was hiring them. So they went to a place that was being built up, and they built up industries and because they're smaller families smaller communities rather has a bigger draw of you know hiring people in their communities passing down businesses or trades in their families they just have a larger preponderance of being in the same business as their ancestors forefathers all that stuff but there's no like to say that there's some large conspiracy that people like you know come together and to disenfranchise other people is like ridiculous. And so it is much more of a fantastic story than, you know, talking about a Camarilla game. <laughs> right. Well, you, can't, you can't get a table of players to show up on time every week. How does yeah. somebody start a global conspiracy where they control all of the aspects of everything? I, so what I, here's, here's my take of Kanye West and it's a stroke of brilliance. We've known him to be brilliant, mm-hmm. right? Kanye West shows up with hooks and beats and just makes, he makes careers, right? Mm-hmm. Makes dynasties out of what he does. He's getting paid a billion dollars for a reason, right? Now, I also feel if you go back to his earlier statements when people went, he's getting weird, right? Mm-hmm. With this Jew thing, he made a correlation between, uh, I'll restate this and I'll make it simple for everybody. When a black man does bad, all black people are responsible, mm-hmm. right? So that, that was his analogy. A black man gets pulled over, gets caught for committing a drive-by or whatever it is, all black people take a hit for that. Mm-hmm. However, when a Jewish man does something like that, it is just that Jewish man. Mm-hmm. Not all He's Jews are blamed. Just that <laughs> Jewish man. However, in the same analogy, he didn't leave it at that. In the same analogy, he said, but when one Jewish man does well, the Jewish community benefits. However, when one black man does well, only that black man benefits. And what he was pointing out that he couldn't articulate well, but I watched that clip enough to where this is what I took from it, what he's screaming out, and he doesn't even know how to express it. It's the fact that he made a billion dollars, but who did he help? He had all that money. He said several times, what does all this wealth do if we can't help each other? Well, who's the we he's talking to and actually to identify? And it's always been the black community. He's a shy town guy. 
he, he definitely sees what poverty is and gentrification, getting all that stuff going on. It would it would pain me if I made billions of dollars. If I made a billion dollars, all of you would balk that I only kept maybe a hundred k for me in a nice house, as everyone around me benefited that I could until I was dead. Right? Definitely, my daughter would be well cared for to be the fuck up that she debauchingly will have earned if daddy ever come into that kind of money. <laughs> but I don't want to, and I'll tell you why. I love you, Brennan. I love you, Mike. I love you, Chris. You've been with me on my journey and what I do. So why would I not make you rich and take care of your woes and make you happy knowing that you would help me be philanthropic with what I have going on and help your communities where you're at? Right? To give that little that little breath. We're all wanting to breathe. Right? But these these rich motherfuckers at the top, and I think that's what Kanye realized, they don't want you to breathe. And then he sat there and said, is it that? Or is it they tricked us? They got us thinking that we can be this this Elon Musk bullshit, that we can all go out and be that guy. There's only a select group of people that can be that. So we mm-hmm. got to look for us and ours, which means, you know, sometimes you got to prop someone up. Sometimes you got to help them out. Sometimes it's getting people to see the opportunities around them. In other words, we got to figure out how to take the example that the Jewish community set. And just like you said, Brennan, they couldn't find jobs in one place. They went and made fucking Hollywood. It's the one place they could. And as they were dying, they benefited. Those 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 businesses pressed on. They left something for somebody. And that's what we all got to start doing. And I think Kanye, that's the message he tried to send. But he's in Hollywood. And there are people in Hollywood, I, I'll say it, there's specific black people who are super rich who get up there and rub elbows with Trump and talk that he's not a bad guy necessarily out of both sides of their face, you know, make millions and don't give a shit about anyone else. And they've, you know, that, that they, they practically come out and said that as much. Chappelle is one such guy. So right? is Jordan. <laughs> right. So is Jordan. <laughs> give me my money. Let's, we, y'all go figure out what you do, but this is what I do. Why I got to care about you. Are they wrong for that though? No one's yes. saying they're wrong for that mentality. Except, Except I think Mike. I agree with Mike. No, I agree with Mike. I think yeah. that is the wrong mentality, right? Because you should realize your struggle when you came up from nowhere meant that everybody didn't have that opportunity. And you can't say anybody can do that. Sorry, Mike. I... Just the failure, right? The failure is a lack of solidarity. Any, You can't have a revolution while the underclass is being divided against itself. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. this is, and I, you know, I'm going to stray into some spicy territory here. So bear with me (laughs) while JK Rowling has said some foul, foul shit about trans people that she should never have said. And that she should be punished for saying, I do not hold against her the instinct to say, I am a woman born a woman and me and people like me have had all of these years of struggle. You don't get to co-opt our victories that we fought for for X amount of time just because you started getting an opportunity to have some victories of your own. And the reason why I'm not okay with somebody trying to force her to do that is because I see this thing that people will do where when they have access to different minority groups or right, they can claim certain levels of disadvantage, Mm -hmm. they'll retreat when it's inconvenient to stand in solidarity with somebody from that other group. Right. So like I'm from the Bay Area, grew up with a lot of people of color, grew up a lot of people who were LGBTQIA. I have seen some of my gay brothers and sisters retreat from gayness 
when they're standing next to a black person and things get uncomfortable, even if that black person also happens to be gay. Right. So I think that the real failure and to your point, Bob, the thing that Kanye is trying to point out, despite his twisted fuck up methods, is that if all of these people aren't willing to stand together and reach out and say, I love this person and I love that person. And this is my ally because we've both been struggling. Even if our struggles were different, then there's not going to be that faith, right? You don't want somebody in the foxhole next to you. If you might turn around and they disappeared, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Um, so I don't, yeah. I mean, I feel that it's, at least partially inappropriate to feel to defend people like Kanye and JK because of the way that they've chosen to present themselves. But there are parts of the experience that they're trying to express that I'm not going to pretend doesn't reflect my own lived experience. They, they can have, uh, they certainly can have like parts that are absolutely valid. Right. But that doesn't diminish or take away the, like the, the bad or the harm that they're saying. Um, yeah. But that also the same way you can't ignore like the the points they're making. Like there was something there was something about Kyrie I heard the other day, right? Like Kyrie was sharing some basically like documentary that was about like Holocaust denial, uh, something like that, and everyone was giving Kyrie like a whole lot of shit for that, right? And I believe rightfully, but I also don't believe Kyrie is actually racist. I think he was just dumb. I think he was just (laughs) I think he was just stupid uh, for that. Uh, that doesn't excuse it. Point. I don't know if he still is, but <laughs> I, I just I just don't think that there's some like sickness down in the core for that. But point of bringing him up is I didn't really hear anyone talking about like Amazon that was selling the, that documentary until I heard like Dr. Umar on the uh, Hell of a Week podcast talking about it. Right. <laughs> Everyone was quiet about that. Like, why is yeah. that OK for Amazon to actually profit off of anti-Semitic material? And that goes into like a bigger thing is how much like Nazi paraphernalia or like, you know, uh, that kind of stuff is sold on Amazon hmm. that they take a cut out of. How many and is that all right? Have, have listened and read about what, what neo-Nazis think about the Ku Klux Klan thinks about and, and these racist extremist groups. Only like third hand for me. I, I've read about what liberals <laughs> have said about people like that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't fully hear you in the beginning, Bob. What did you have, say? You, have you have you tried like go to their go to their websites like Stormfront before they got canceled? I don't even think they're around anymore. But when they were, you could go there and see what their messages of hate were and what they're really trying to say. Have you ever listened to to a rally speech when you could? I'm pretty certain on the net you can find them because I, I did over over a couple of years too. Uh it's been like a decade, but I've had some like I'll say racist evangelicals talking to me. You know, I'm a white dude from the south. Uh, obviously, I didn't join any. I'm going to go ahead and state that out front in case that wasn't obvious, mm-hmm. me being the only white dude in this little circle. Um, from from what they were talking about, from all the, the things they espoused, it almost seemed like it was a honey trap at first because it had a lot to do with, you know, basically like your identity, right? And like you're looking out for you and your family and your people. And yeah. there was uh, there was something I noticed in that that. I'll call it rhetoric even back then that I I think is almost unique to white folk, especially here in the South. And it's that there is because they are the majority, the largest group, there is less of a distinct culture. Right. And so because there's less of a distinct culture, 
like I don't have a cultural identity like what Mike and Bob and even DJ y'all talk about. Like I don't I don't have that. Right? I have more of a southern uh identity than anything and uh for Y'all listeners out there that are hearing me right now, I don't even sound that southern. I am, I am, I am a yuppie southerner <laughs> by by every means. But decaf um, southern. <laughs> the, what decaf southern? I, I take offense to that one. But anyway, um, point of me bringing that up is they were trying to build an identity that did not exist, and that that was the the honeypot itself. That there was a sense of belonging that other folks didn't have, especially if you were some. Uh, well, I'll call them. Well, other people would call them, you know, trailer park trash. That uh, they weren't going to go to college because there was no way they were swinging that. They weren't going to get a good job outside of like some mechanic shop. They didn't really have a future. Probably didn't have folks that cared about them except this one dude with swastika tattoos that was luring them in, saying, "Hey, you're actually worth something, right? And this is who you are." Um, and then after that, it just delves straight into hatred, right? Um, but that is my experience with that. Now, why I bring it up is because the experience you're talking about um, is exactly to my point. Why these any racist faction gets to gets to stand in extremism is because they typically come from those who are downtrodden and have mm-hmm. nothing. They had nothing to start, and in this passion amongst them is is screaming out that we matter. It starts from we matter, and their originating core is always be a community, come together. We have more together than we do separate. You know, separate mm-hmm. will die alone. Let's, let's let's get here and do it right. Um, the the clan used to be a um, like listening to, to to some of the the members. I I didn't explain this, but we're not going to get detailed with story. Um, a lot of misconception. I'm Italian in Mountain Home, Arkansas, for years. That's what everybody assumed, and I never corrected them. Right, light skin, mixed kid. I was Italian. I had the curly black hair and the whole nine. No one said anything. So I'd get invited to a few outings, and I did find myself one day sitting at a family table with two card carrying members of the Ku Klux Klan. Right, they called it just the clan. I thought they meant the family. Mm-hmm. Like I've been over to this house several you thought times. It was, you thought it was the C clan, right? The clan's <laughs> getting together. We're going to hang out, but you know, mm-hmm. Bob, you're not mm-hmm. fam, so you know. Oh yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll catch you later. You know, I'll, I'll not leave his name out of it. But you know, me and him would usually go kick rocks while they all went to do their meeting, and that was that because we were teenagers. You know, no big deal. Um, come to find out, one time that we sat there, they just asked, they started asking us questions. But hey, Bob, where are you from? You're from Chicago. What part? Right. And then, like, I was called Italian and got real uncomfortable for a minute until I was like, what's this about? Right. I've been in your house like two years. I've been friends. I've been in your house several times. What's going on? It's like, well, you know, people are having troubles and, you know, we're sharing some stories. And, you know, there's uh, a guy went to visit, you know, in in a big city, he said, but, uh, you know, I don't want to offend you, but I think it was the neighborhood you're from and, and whatnot, which was a shock to me because Bob couldn't remember. Remember, I was like age zero to 10. I lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of addresses I memorized. So 2234 North Cleveland. That stuck in my head um, because my mom, you will lose. It was a weird thing when my mom made me memorize that address. But anyway, it stuck <laughs> out in my head. But the point is, um, with that said, um, they were getting at the fact that something terrible had happened to a friend's cousin they know. And what had happened was he, honestly, he got carjacked. He was in the wrong place in the wrong part of town. Didn't know he was in the wrong part. They went to ask for help. We're told this guy was a cop near this area. They went and parked, and four or five people pulled him out the car, beat the shit out of him, took his money, and then apparently raped the girl he was with. Mm. You know, and they were they were all black. 
So once they said that, then I heard the hate come out Mm -hmm. the table right in front of me. Now, you can be the hardest of the hard black folk you want to. When you look all around and everybody's white and you realize when they said Klan, you were missing the first two Ks they said it with (laughs) for a hot minute and you're sitting at the table, I'll tell you what I did. I opened my heart. I opened my heart. I was enraged. I was embarrassed. I, I couldn't believe here I am to people. I don't know who jumped them. Why, why, one, why do you think me at age 15 has a clue who did that horrible thing to you? But it's another thing because I realized they're not educated. They don't mm-hmm. understand. It's not like it is where they're at. It's not like it's the next hollow over by five miles. And that's where I lived. And I know everybody there. Like the city of Chicago is huge. I don't know what you went through. And I don't know if your relatives exaggerating. I don't know if it was that bad. I don't know the situation. But what I hear from you is the hate and the hurt, right? The hate and the hurt are a real drive for any group to throw out at others. Black people have oceans of it, right? But Mm -hmm. so do white people. And folks forget that. And and, and it's to many sides. I think everybody does. The problem is, how is it we got the internet and all we've shared is our personal pain stories, but we haven't reached across and empathized with the fact that I know why you hate. And it's why I hate. But I haven't done anything to you, and I won't. And you haven't done anything to me, and I hope you won't. But until we realize that, until we cross that boundary and realize that we need to change the past by, yes, understand the past, but then change it by our actions dictating and and meeting our words. It is a hearts thing. But right now, we're all stuck in this schadenfreude which is a word I've been using left and right because I see it everywhere. We love a good drama. Mm-hmm. We love a good drama. And we want to demonize everybody. Right? The moment someone, oh, my God, everybody loves a good villain. Like, comedy's not even entertaining anymore to most people. Not unless some, it's like, it's hitting mainstream, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And everyone jumps on it. And then you see all new ways of villainy. Like, you're talking about, let, let's, take this, let's take this small example. Bill Cosby went to jail, was founded, convicted. Then gets out because of a technicality, then mm-hmm. turns around and two more people jump on the bandwagon for what he did before. And, you know, that's that's what they say. Now they got to go to court again to prove it again. And what shocked me is what happened. Like when I when I heard this brought up to me, person was like, oh, I can't believe this old black guy still doing what he did. Like, I just wanted to get done with. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean old black guy? <laughs> Why does that matter? And they're like, oh, well, he's drugging people and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you think he's the only one drugging people? Folks, it's Christmas. Why don't you look up the song, It's Cold Outside? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have lyrics, which isn't sung by a black guy, talking about, you know, hey, you know, the girl goes, what's in my drink? I mean, there's a reason that song is a creepy Christmas song they wanted to pull. And I get that when you hear it. It's uncomfortable to hear in this day and age because of the way it was. I'm not exonerating Cosby. But what I'm saying is, is when this person didn't even know that he was a comedian, that he did do good work once upon a time. He was someone who was trying to bring up the community for a part of time. It's just we didn't know what demons he had in his closet and what he did with that affluence, thinking he could get away with it. Mm-hmm. And it's good that the victims can come and get him now. But the point I'm getting at is it's interesting how we want to get to all the venom and abolish any good that anyone has ever done. And people are not that way. We are not black and white. We are gray. Your heroes have demons. You just didn't read far enough, right? That's that's how that works. I think I think you are being too kind to people's natural tendencies because I believe that the reason they hunt for the hate 
is because the the whole thing with the identity Olympics, like the struggle Olympics, my, oh, my struggle was this and your struggle was that, mm-hmm. is that you can increase the relative value of your position by decreasing the value of somebody else's. When you when your mind thinks in in fight, which is what your mind is in, Mike. Yeah. When your mind is in win mode, which it always will be, but you're in school to be that way. Mm-hmm. I never fault you for that, Mike. I just know if I want a good argument, get Mike on the line. <laughs> right? Because just, you are always one side or the other. Because you, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I agree with you. I agree that the move is to build solidarity between the oppressed against the oppressors. Mm-hmm. 100%. I just think that the reason we don't see that when contacts would contacts would say that we should have seen it, you know, maybe 400 years ago is because there's more short-term gain in people. I don't know, man. Like I said, trying to jockey for position, mm-hmm. but for, I do think we can positions or that don't like even matter like you were talking about the the struggle olympics right my struggle is worth more than yours it only is worth more like in your mind there's no actual struggle there it's not like gold it's more like bitcoin uh, that's a different <laughs> it only has value because you say it has value but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back to touch on this later as uh, yeah. we'll at least get 15 minutes into some solid what the hell are we doing with this beckett's jihad diary chapter three um DJ's been sitting there for 30 minutes, folks, just like smiling at us. He's like, I have no idea what we're talking about. Well, I was supposed to come in here and read a chapter. And the reason why DJ is normally quiet is because DJ is usually a person who sits back and waits and observes. And when he's ready to say something, he'll say something. And my, from my experience, for everything that has currently happened, I live in northern New Jersey, slash pretty much New York for the most part, right? It's very hard to find a non-minority group in here, to be honest, more you know, folk of the Anglo grouping are the minority in my area. And so what ends up happening is when you don't have the common enemy, the common enemy is yourself. And my experience ends up being that communities tear each other down because we'll always find a way to fight each other. When we get bored and there's no enemy to go up against, it ends up being our own communities that we end up fighting. So my experience is less based on a black versus white. We'll see black communities fight each other to jockey or positions of other types of communities or groupings that they have. Likewise, as well, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and everyone else will try to fight each other just if only to establish dominance of who owns or runs a better part of what part of the city that they're currently at. So I see that struggle from within because I feel that we've gotten bored with ourselves um, than it is to fight outward and find a common enemy. Because the enemy, when no one's around, it's like Salvador Dali at one point mentioned, always choose someone to fight with, otherwise you get bored. And apparently, for whatever reason, in my area, it happens to be that the common enemy is ourselves. If so it's kind of hard for me being, to contribute otherwise. The, and why that is, is the human being, the human being is based on strife. It does mm-hmm. not actively seek strife, but it seeks to survive and better itself. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that when, uh, so, when y'all were talking about the, um, Oh, what was it? It's so easy to like lash out at people, be aggressive, spew vitriol, I think was the term rather mm-hmm. than like reach across the aisle. I, I think there is some like, reptile brain part that has people focused on you know uh the the aggression like the survival the like gathering of things when in like are we built a we all have like humans in general have like an urge to form communities and bonds right and we we are better at that than the uh, whole like you know survival of the fittest aspect 
because I, I truly believe survival of the fittest is a joke because if that was like the predominant thought in our minds, we wouldn't have formed societies like we would have we wouldn't formed communities like we have, oh. and they wouldn't have thrived as much as they have because now we really, in, at least in America over here, we really don't have to fight for resources like that anymore, but we still well, have those thought processes in our heads. The wars changed. You still do, but the wars changed. Right? You got to realize that. Just because you're not out in the streets beating an animal over the head to bring home the meal doesn't mean there isn't a supermarket with competing prices. So you're like, there's a poor, in a, in a big city, there's a poor person market, there's the middle mm -hmm. class market, then there's the rich man's market. And you, everybody right. knows if you want the best cut of meat, you go to the rich man's market, but all your vegetables come from the poor people's market because a vegetable is a vegetable no matter where it is. Mm -hmm. And you go to the mid class market because you don't want anybody to know you shop at the poor people's market. Right. That's, 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 that's like, like, we laugh about it, but you know what I mean? You know who we are. Right. I, I know what you're talking turkey. about, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if like the, the communal aspect to that would make that irrelevant. But what I'm it's, pointing it's out is, we're just making. what I'm pointing out is that survival of the fittest, because this attaches to what DJ was saying, why you have people attacking their own is not because they're bored, right? It's not because they don't have an enemy. What it is, is when you're put somewhere, and you're left no opportunity to go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And they break your spirit. And you do mm -hmm. not believe you can move up at all. You must establish pockets of power where you're on top. You change rules. the game. Be prison rules exactly. Because if you don't do that, then suicide is the choice. Right, because right. you were hardwired into what you said. That lizard mechanic to being... A, do not discount this phrase, and everybody hates it. Folks will tell you Mike doesn't make right. And those people are thinking small. You are simple when you don't think might makes right. It is not saying that the mighty are correct morally. What it is saying is that you don't have a choice. If you're mm -hmm. not the strongest that gets to make the order you live under, then you're, you're not making anything. You are following it the same as the rest of us. The problem is we're now starting to know our worth. It's slow. We learn as a group. We're all, think of all as one, all of us as one person. And we're waking to the idea that the people at the top who claim that they're, well, they are the rich and they're claiming they're more important than us are not fucking more important than us. And they are taking up resources. And Elon Musk is one of the people. When someone told me, I'm shocked that you like Elon Musk. I was like, you have no idea why I like Elon Musk. But why he puts a smile on my face is because he's the Donald Trump of the uber rich. Mm -hmm. Right? Name one, name one, what is it, the richest family in existence is uh, in the Middle East. Uh, you mean like, the, the royal family of Saudi Arabia? Yeah, they're, they're the richest family in existence. You don't ever hear about them. Uh-huh. You don't ever hear about them. I wonder why that is. Uh, maybe it's because they learned, because um, you can anger people when you show them what they have. When I read they had like a $412 billion yacht, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a floating two-city blocks that they have. It's a palace unto its own right. And I started looking at that. I was like, I don't even have hatred here. I don't even have hatred here. Like, think about being so rich that when 15 of your wives and three of your cousins that piss you off, you're like, you know what? I banish you to the yacht. But get good to the yacht. I'll never see you again. And those people, they could. And they're living better than anybody else on the planet on that yacht. I promise you they are. Their own helicopters, their own boats, their own places to go. They were talking about this thing couldn't sink if the world's worst weather occurrence happened on the ocean with it, which is how I heard about it, was that that's what money gets you.
and it builds that. You build these, and I'm like, but that same amount of money that they frivolously throw on a hobby, which is that freaking yacht, they could help nations of people, mm-hmm. right? With that, with that, what they have here. And so I sat here and said, that's why they're very quiet. That's why they don't say a lot because there's going to be a time when people go, I see what you have, and the majority going to come for you. And that's what really it is. But this is why we're kept divided. You see? This yeah, is why we're kept where we have. It seems like the truth of might makes right is that being mighty means being able to shape the battlefield. You so got it. While one day it's the guy with the biggest club, the next day it might be the six people who make his food. <laughs> you got it. And, and so, all of a sudden, if you could have like the world's biggest club, but if 2,000 people all come towards you, each one holding one club, uh, maybe the biggest club isn't what matters. Yep. Gentlemen, yep. we're in it. Right? That's just what it is. Tactics and cunning. That That's also considered power, and power is also might. That's what we refer to here. But with all that said, now we understand today's story. Right? <laughs> and you think I'm joking. This is gonna, People are going to accuse us of this being scripted, and it's not. Because we're talking about is DC, right? In the 20th anniversary, this Beckett Shahad diary. Mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., the seat of power, the Marcus Vittel, the man Theobel failed to kill, the one that got away from the mighty, mighty Negro, right? As <laughs> stated, our hero in the world of darkness failed to kill this evil of villains. Now, for those who don't know, Marcus Vittel is probably my favorite character in canon, if only because it's it's funny historically who he was. The guy Sejanus actually existed and he existed in Rome, and if I'm correct, he was a general that did too well. Because he did too well, he threatened the emperor's popularity at the time. And so what happened is, is the Praetorian Guard got together, stabbed the shit out of him, and threw him down the back steps of the palace. <laughs> That's That was his fate in that story, in, in, in history. It's like, boom, thrown out. And I love it because every time I read it, I went back and looked at it. That's really all they know. This guy got super popular and then apparently was stabbed and thrown down some steps. Mm-hmm. That's the fate of someone who gets too close to that power. How does this tie to our story? What do you think is going to happen if you guys go Viva la Revolution, put our fangs in, Bob's a new leader, and we're going against that Saudi family, the super family? You're going to find <laughs> me throwing down the back of that yacht. I, I, don't even, I don't even think we'll do that. There will probably be some bone saws involved. <laughs> I'm like, you know, right. dissolving of you in a bathtub and turkey, and then that'll be all we hear about you. Or crueler, they'll take me and they'll give me a give me a job on that yacht, and my sole mm-hmm. job is to sit there and tell them what's going on in the world so they could laugh. <laughs> right? I'm treated too well, but they're going to show me the misery in other neighborhoods that they're causing now because of my mouth, you know, things like that. Um, but no, I, I super joke. But the uh, Sejanus... The La Sombra Methuselah, who masqueraded as the Prince of D.C., fooling the entire Ventru clan. And, mm-hmm. and there are many who I always hear, how can you do that with the lineage that he's a Methuselah? Yeah, That's I remember them reading that book. They're like, Sejanus has a very special obfuscate power that allows him to appear as a member of another clan. I was like, he just has that? I think that's <laughs> bullshit. My theory is that every one of those Ventru on that board knew, but they looked at him and was like, I'm pretty sure that's a Methuselah. I'm just going to sit here and just nod my head. I, my, my theory is even simpler. To each their own game. Whether you need an obfuscate power to help you, I think that's bullshit. I like to look at what's there. Dominate mm-hmm. is there. And what's better than dominate, and I tell everybody this, what trumps vampire, what trumps disciplines, guys, what do I always say? 
Uh, I'm pretty sure just like, you know, talking with people, being able to wield some influence, being able to just like, you know, negotiate. You're scratching at it. Manipulation. Mm -hmm. Put those tools together. Manipulation. So if I show up and say I'm a venture, like Vitell did, and I'm a venture and I'm going to be Prince of the City, and I go to look in your background and everything looks tip top. As far back as I can go, you're awesome. Because who's checking my lineage? Do you think mm -hmm. the person checking my lineage is any Venture Methuselah? <laughs> no. Who's checking my lineage? Archon so-and-so. Wouldn't uh -huh. importance X. Or some prince. <laughs> and, and for how hard would it be if I had to, to hit that wackadoo with some, some discipline and make it happen? But I'll tell you what, I don't need to. Because I've studied my enemy all the way back from Rome. I get how they're built. I remember the Dark Senate. I remember Camilla. I remember the edicts. I remember how that went. And I know how to hold myself. And I'm here to play the long game. I'm in D.C. to get a hold of nukes. You think I did that on a whim? Not at all. I have networks of information. And I don't need to use a discipline because that's how you get caught. The Venture Clan also has dominated for those who need to see my point. So it would be foolish for me to go in and try to do that type of thing when they do it already. However, if I play to their ego that I am this great venture and I, have, I give myself some flaws that they could see, but I'm working on them. But then I have a stellar career ahead of me and success ratio. You know what I've done? I've boosted the venture's claim to kings, that they have nothing but greatness is what I've done. But oddly, you can't find my sire. Now he's in Torpor somewhere. He'll wait <laughs> some. But until then, I rule D.C., says Vitell, and back behind him, Sejanus wrings his hands, right? That's that's how that works. Why? Because Clan La Sombra is better, fool! <laughs> they run things! That's how that goes. It's like, it's great you want to be the boss, but I'm the authority, right? That's what Clan La Sombra says. And that's how it's run. By the way, let me give you another two-step, which how I know that that is as intended. Silver Fangs? They apparently run things. Man, it's them Shadow Lords that keep it together. Right? This company, when they built the vampire clans, the werewolves basically mimicked them, right? Mm -hmm. Not 100%, not even 30%, but enough for you to get the gist of them. Mm -hmm. So you can see how this is set up. How it relates to this chapter is that this is all about Vitell. This entire chapter, you know, Shadows Coalesce, I believe is his title, is yep. it's 100% mm -hmm. about Vitell surviving being killed, allegedly, by Theo Bell. But the Camarilla knows he didn't die. And so you have Beckett meeting with Bell, Bell meeting with Tally the Hound, Tally the Hound being a servant of Sejanus, going out to tell them, hey, come with me, this is funny. I've been made a bishop. DC got taken over by the Sabbat. Vikos, the angel of Cain, is here. And oh, how I vomit with that entity <laughs> so much in my soul. Um, why, why I don't like Vikos is I have yet for them to finish the story as to why Vikos is a badass. So far, he is just the uh, pornographic book uh, focus for that uh, that that sex book they did. What's it called? Sacred Hearts or whatever. I, I, think read book. I just read about the book and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'll not read this one. Not I read tempo. that book. I read that book <laughs> three times. Right now, why did I read it three times? Because one, I was like, Lucina did what again? Why is she fighting this dude buck naked in a park? Like, is that relevant? Why did the author feel that's relevant? And it's like, ah, oh, well, we're trying eroticism. and Eroticism? Yeah, y'all, I don't think you know this. If you ever look up in the internet sometime and you really want to see what a fight looks like when people get naked, it's embarrassing. 
That's <laughs> usually no. when someone strips naked is usually when the fight stops, you know, in my experience. You're like, I something's wrong here. <laughs> you need help? It's, it's, exactly. Exactly. You're running forward like your titty pop out. Hey, time out. Let's at least put the titty back, reset the fighters. Let them go at it again, but like, you know, or break it up at this point. When people's business is falling out, the fight's done. You know, move on. But not if you're Lucita. Oh no. She's she's fighting, snatch and grab, literally. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. But then when it gets to and Lucita, I got over, right? It's an erotic book, I got over it. Continue reading. It's not too bad with the combat and how shadows work and all that stuff. But then you run across some um, well, Vico. So what Vico's does to some girl, he makes himself a uh, BDSM toy in the book. And I immediately mm. started losing my respect for Vico's. Now, I understand the author isn't the creator of the idea of Vico's, but we've ran with the ball at this point to see what it is. It's as if because when it was Micah Vico's and the alleged infamous ball chucking that <laughs> happened to form the things, right, that once that happened he became an androgynous figure. And I sat here and said, it's the Flesh Shaper clan. Number one, we don't know if he didn't have several sets of testicles, Rocky Mountain oysters hanging off the sack at the bottom. No one, no one knows that those are actually its, right? He could have been juggling them and, and, I don't know, a collector and throw them. There's all, why I say that is because it doesn't matter. In terms of body horror, it was a ridiculous thing to have done that I think worked to hit the attitude pop of the era the book was written in. But in later renditions, nothing ever establishes Vicos as being an important occult figure to warrant what it does, save being a book collector, which is just like Beckett. So it's like too many authors, and a lot of them said, I'm not touching Vicos. He's just this thing. And so he's in D.C. as the Angel of Cain, right? And somehow this makes a threat because of a thing he's looking for has, which is called the Shawl Fragment. And he somehow is able to read the Rubik's Cube, or whatever you want to call it, of the antediluvian plans for Gehenna. Now, why I'm sort of just roughshod the three, because you guys are about to do the selection process for this chapter, it's actually kind of hard. The choices mm -hmm. aren't really choices as much as campaign setups, and we got to decide if we are going to run a game out of this. So I'm going to take up some time as you get some cliff notes things so I can see all three of you refreshing your mind here, looking at the screen, trying to look at the bits here. Um, but backdrop finish, this takes place where basically this chapter says, wherever your players come in at, they either are going to serve as pawns of the tell. Right, or old Sejanus, as he prefers to be called. So Sejanus wants to make DC an Anarch territory unique, a fourth sect. That's his plan. Mm -hmm. A sect that is anti Gehenna. It is not with the Sabbats, not with the Camarilla, it's not with the Anarchs. It's its own dancing to Vettel's tune. And their sole purpose is to directly oppose the Antediluvians. Now, strong argument here. There's one chantry in DC. No doubt Vitality already knows about. The Pontifex of the Tremere shored up in there when the Sabbat got in here and has been single-handedly holding off all information from the Sabbat about them and the Camarilla and whatnot. They're doing their job. However, no one in the Camarilla side can find them either. There's this group called the Bitter, uh, I'm going to say the Bitter Revolution, that might be it, or Bitter Resistance is what they're called. And these are two Camarilla members who are in the city as a resistance against the Sabbat that occupied. Remember, in any takeover, right, if it's Sabbat city held or Camarilla city held, the opposite is typically a resistance. They're never fully gone. They're always trying mm -hmm. to get in there. And this is one such city. So in DC, the Camarilla resistance is called the bitter resistance, and they are super tight-lipped about what they do. They're like the secret service. When they go feeding, they call it an event. And in my experience, every feeding with players should be an event. 
where it's treated <laughs> this way anyway because of how out of hand it gets. But basically, mm-hmm. they it's it's you could be destroyed for not being able to keep it under wraps with how you feed and what you do because it could tip off the sabbat and that's bad. It's also an excuse the bitter resistance gets these low humanity Camarilla members coming in here to express their full wrath on the Sabbath that's there, and it doesn't reveal the masquerade. So it gives them a breath of fresh air to resist in that capacity. But to my original point, why they're important is because they're looking for the Tremere, because they could really use the Tremere support and they don't give it. And this book does a good job of, of more or less alluding to the fact that's because Vitell has them in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense. How does he still retain full control? <laughs> How does he have uh, connections in the government like he still does? And he remember, he went mm-hmm. to Torpor, and he was somehow brought out easy peasy, fully healed. Right? But anybody who can go to Torpor in the middle of a fight and still use and control shadows to fight and almost kill everybody on his behalf, well, you warrant a little bit of my hat's <laughs> off to you, sir. You're a badass, right? That's, that's how that works. So, and that's Vitell. So these Tremere... Basically, they hedge their bets and they know what side they're on. And they're a technomatic Tremere. It says flat out technomancy's their game, and this is what they've been doing. And you have to in a city like DC, right? you got to keep your nose clean and all that. So with all that knowledge there, this is basically a powder keg of a restructure. you got the Sabbat rearing up for Gehenna War. you got Vitell doing several nefarious things, but none more, I'd say, schemy than trying to meet with specific entities to bring them into the city to join his his revolt, uh, his, his stand here in the last Bastion city that he wants to hold, uh, while defying his own sire and the ancients themselves. With that said, this is our chapter. Um, what do you guys think about it in these parts? And why do you think about it, not do you like the chapter or not, where do you see us running a story out of here that'd be good for a few hours? I I can't. They're, oh, you can't? You, I do not feel like we could give any of these options justice in a few hours, my opinion. It, not that it won't be fun or entertaining or instructive. I just can't imagine a situation where we do this chapter and don't feel like it should have been a game. Just my opinion. You mean a campaign? Yeah. A whole chronicle, if yeah. you will? Yeah. High praise mm. for the authors is what I've heard. Yeah, mm. This is a good one. Um, the setup does lend more to like a longer format one which i don't know might be fine might might just do the other episodes as like a bonus or something i'm not really worried about that um but uh, there there is an idea out here for us to start that kind of like uh gives me an idea but it's a curveball it's a curveball for y'all because it's not really any of these little bullet points they put in the back though it's good i i would put forward the motion that we play a group of vampires uh that are working with Vitell, or at least hearing him out. But this group where por- we are portraying are the Tremere in DC. Mm. Or we are folks that stayed in DC that, as Bob so pointed out, someone stayed in DC to help give, to keep Vitell's like lines to, to power and influence alive. He didn't just disappear and then come back and boom, you know, magic beanstalk to the sky. <laughs> I like that magic beanstalk. I'm of the, I'm of the mind of seeking the, um, the one where we know that he's creating that fourth faction to kind of break free of the jihad. But I'm more curious, and the reason why I'm curious is who would actually 
entertain it. With being as greedy as vampires typically are and trying to keep a specific type of status quo, who would actually mm-hmm. entertain the Telenoff? We know he has the power, but the question is, you know, what's in it for them? I think the people that might take up Vettel on his offer are like, you know, hardcore anarchs, like not anarchs that are like, we're taking this territory, but like those idealist anarchs or quite possibly loyalist Sabat that don't really like, you know, why are there archbishops here telling us what to do for fighting for our freedom? This guy's actually talking about how he wants to kill Methuselahs. Isn't he a Methuselah? Yeah, but he's a Methuselah that wants to kill other Methuselahs. I'll take that over that dude that's sitting back there behind the line of Templars. <laughs> Benevolent dictator. <laughs> there's a lot here. Um, there's a scenario in here that talks about working for Vitell, but you're a group of Sedites who are coming in to have that exact meeting to support him um, for your own means. But Vitell doesn't care so long as it's against the ancients. How does that work out? Right to me, it's the seeds of the ministry, right? The the break free from the set philosophy only, and understanding you know the ancient ways and understanding we have to evolve for the clan to survive. Where the majority of us don't even care about set. There's no way you keep that fanaticism that long. I mean, lip service. He's a god once, but where? And how good is he if he's been exiled, his ass beaten, everybody hates him? Like have him come back and maybe change my mind. But until then, we'll honor his tenements, right? Uh, the other one is is a faction of gargoyles through playing around. They find the city attractive and come to talk to Vitell about what that means and for what they want to do. Um, why this is unique across the board is because you mentioned there's no there's no more infamous anarch than Smiling Jack, mm-hmm. and Smiling Jack flat out makes fun of the city. It's basically because Vitell is asking to bring every downtrodden person that everyone's tried to poop on and call nothing come to the city and be a strength uh, with Vettel being able to give, you know, influence protection and use them to bolster his army, right? Um, go so far as to saying that the Ravno and the Asamites who won't go with their clan have a place in a haven if they can talk to Vettel and be there, right? So it's bring me every hard-hitting, badass problem child ever made in the vampire world here, and we could figure it out, and Vettel's going to sit at the helm. And that's an interesting thing. Because what does get offered? What does happen? What is entertaining here? But I'm I'm with you. Um, this is that's a game. Um, can you make it a one night meeting? Certainly we could. But how do you not generate interest for people want to see more of what you accomplish? Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at. Do we say this is like a four shot? Is this is this like a one and done? Like we want to do? Um, do we give it time for the holidays and say this is long enough of a, of a video that we'll release to say hey the next game we do. It's going to be us in the city with, with whoever steps up from the cast crew uh, to, to be a part of this uh, to see what goes on. Are we going to do that at all? That's where we're at. What are we thinking? Um, well, I mean, I do. Okay. I, I, could get, I asked you that, but I forgot to mention this. There are options. We could do hot points. We could have it to where um, why did or why does Vico sleeve and run that as a game one shot. Mm-hmm. to show you why Vikos is there and what is in the shawl fragment and what occurs. But is that more of a just movie that people are going to watch and we're on? It's not really played. That's more or less might as well be scripted on one side as you stand right. there and hear Vikos talking and boom, right? That's that's what I mean by it's kind of dull. On the other end, they're serving Theo Bell. Killer B's walking around having to kick in doors and teeth and has a very interesting edge here. Just the Madam Guile 
is now Sabat Madame Guile. That's mm-hmm. canon, right? She went over, and ever since then, there's a lot of Camarilla secrets leaked. Big problems, right? So Bell's here, and Cam wants him to wipe out uh, Marcus, and that's why they're retaining his title of Archon, which pisses Bell off. Bell tells him flat out, fuck off, I'm not accepting your title. And that causes a lot of Archons to lose interest in being Archons. But they're still there. But what if you were those Archons with Bell trying to figure out what the new, what's the deal then? Like, what's your thoughts, what's going on? That right there could be a story where Bell gets to express just why he wants to go at Hardestat. Right, or these others. Because there's conspiracies in the Camarilla. Because there's fractures in the tower. That's interesting too. But again, kind of feels like that's a several night mystery plot politic thing. That's not going to be over and done in one. So, uh, but what has interest? If you guys hold to, to task, it's always where you hunt down and kill something. Mm-hmm. Right? But, that's, but that's the, the monster of the week is the go-to format for a TV show. You don't have time to do an epic. Right? I'm not debating you. I'm not debating. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you know what else is equally important? Um, if we sat there and said, what if somebody debated with Patel? that you were scions of the Sabbat, right? Don't come in half-assed, Vitell. And you're there to convince him in a meeting why he should join the Sabbat. <laughs> join us now in the Gehenna Crusade. Don't sit on the fence. And Tally the Hound was used because he's a bishop, as well as a Templar, to set up this meeting, and he did. Right? That's a chance to showcase the Sabbat in their glory with power and who they are. But you're talking to a being who... Um, can kick the shit out of anybody in your entire sect. Let's just cards on the table. Let's let's don't don't give me anything about Halanajav, the warlord, and blah blah. Shove it where the sun don't shine, right? Keep it to you, because flat <laughs> out Vitell has an entire city, and we're talking influence, not just physical power that you're not making out of if he doesn't want you to. That's why he's so feared. It's what he can do. Mm-hmm. So that being the case, that is an interesting powder keg one night meeting that you could do. But some people, I suspect, they are not up on that. What I mean is not the, not people observing, people who would be in that scene and have a lot of that pressure to fulfill that quota and the political agendas that they have, i.e. I'm sensitive to my players. Uh, yeah, this player is not really feeling like a political, like, centric thing. Like, if we want to sit down and, like, just role-play politics, I'm not, I'm not feeling... I enjoyed the first episode we did where it was basically that, but I don't want to do that again. This right. Which means we push the trend off if you two yeah, wanted to. Which is fine. Members to do it. I'm just leaving that door open to remind you guys. It doesn't have to be everybody, but what do we want to do with this? Look, don't threaten me with a good time. I will sit across a conference room table from Vitell and say, so here's what we have to offer you at Sabat Incorporated. Like, I can do Sabat that. Incorporated. <laughs> but, uh... You already lost the argument. Spot like, even that, even that... Well, maybe they're elders. Even that, uh, <laughs> it feels like it would need to take time. Like, I support the idea of we give it more than just a week to turn it around and at least make it a three-parter. So, right? What if you tried to push the Godfather down into a movie? Because the storyteller I'm trying to tell you that, oh, okay. first off, think draconian politics. I'm Vitell and I've granted you an audience. So you get that in your head, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Granted you an audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I'm going to send three people to represent the Sabbat that could potentially talk some sense into them. 
right? Get him to come to the side. Do you think all three of you are coming there as the three wise men bringing gifts to Jesus? No, no, probably not. You are the motherfucking Sabbat. Yeah. Dealing with an elder. What do you think I am? You think, you think, you think I'm an amateur at this shit? <laughs> you ain't coming in, but anything than to be the actual horse filled with Greeks. You see what I'm saying? Fatel's got a choice. We know what we're bringing, but you think Fatel doesn't know that? Yeah, I yeah. think mm-hmm. I think you know Vettel had the chance to join the Sabbat about five hundred years ago when it was founded. And he there's said, no nah, chance then. Here. There's there's no chance here. He's above murder die. Yeah, he's above the political factions. He doesn't care about them, and he said that openly. I fooled the Camarilla, and I've been using the Sabbat, and he doesn't care. He said as much. What are you going to do? Kill me? Good luck. Please, mm-hmm. I would love the entertainment. As he tells Theo Bell in the scene, as much as I would relish taking you apart piece by piece to leave the mortals to figure out the puzzle of how a man exploded so close together, um, no. Right? That's that's him quoting at the bell. Like, I'm going to do that. Like, you lose your temper here, little B, I'm going to swat you. Right? That's just, that's just what's going to happen. What it took him before, what? In the novel, it took an ambush of archons and ghouls, and he had dragon's breath rounds. Not to mention his famous uh, burning wrath to just rail against them. And this dude crushed him and the people that came with him in such a wave that they died in droves. They didn't know what happened. Shadows were murdering people at such a level. It was epic. You survived that fight when you were the uh killers. That was the Camarilla. Mm -hmm. He went to Torpor to heal his wounds and came back in less than a decade, right as rain. And was shocked that I didn't realize my shadows were so strong. It's been a long time since I unsheathed my sword. That's his commentary. Let's have no illusions. You ain't killing him anyway by going at that assault method. But you're still the Sabbat. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, that is a one night. That is a one night scene. It's where Mm -hmm. you sit down with them. And whatever veteran war hero Sabbat that you're playing, you know this much. All your wars, everything you've done. If you can't convince this warlord that you're correct and to come with you in the most glorious of fights worth having, then you have to take his power. You need his power within or you need it without at your side. And there's no option. So that means whatever badass packs and Templar stuffage and remnants of the Black Hand you think planned their way in here, I would remind you, the Camarilla thought they had him too and are better at planning an assassination than you are. (laughs) So there are no illusions here. We're going to learn today what this is all about. We just now, walk in with our violins. You got it. Jesus. You got it. Now, now, you're thinking to yourself it's a hopeless scenario. I'm telling you right now, with all due respect and bravado, let's leave that ego out of here and go, you know what? I think both sides are well aware where this will go, except Sejanus, who is so arrogant. You ain't got the mark because I'm not in a meeting with people I can't survive. Hmm. I don't meet mm-hmm. them face to face if they are something of a threat. And that's the most telling mark of an elder. So as I say, quit your amateur hour shit. To everyone who sits in front of the prince, the prince has allowed you to sit in front of him, well aware of what you can do and not. You are no threat. It is no different with Vitell, right? That is not because of a title. It is because that's where the fear is most felt because all eyes are on you. What did you come to do and what can you accomplish? Now, that's a definite thing that people would love to see on cameras, how we're, okay, so allegedly together we're equals. Three Sabbat Cardinals should equal one Fatel, right? It's fair then? 
right? Because <laughs> I bet you that's what those Cardinals are thinking, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, guys, we're good. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to kill Brennan a hundred times, says Mike. And DJ goes, Mike still ain't figured out. I'm the one who led Brennan to try to kill him in the first place. And then Brennan's like, I've been trying to kill DJ since Mike tried to fucking come at me. Right? <laughs> now we got to all unite and get together? Shit. Against who? Vitell? Who's against all of us? Well, that guy already has a strong point. No one's going to betray him. He already knows what side he's on. Right? Welcome to draconian politics. I know what you're mm-hmm. thinking. The viniculum. You know what's great about the viniculum? I can do this instead of attacking. <gasps> We're fighting. Oh, no. And in seconds, my opponent's dead. And still tell the Sabbat, I tried. <laughs> After the ashes of DJ, I fought valiantly, but was wounded. And spoiled <laughs> men. Right? There's some things you can do. There's ways out. And it's because we're vampires. We know how the score goes, but so does Battelle. Now, with all that on table, that's still an interesting night. Right? To, to me, 100%, that's interesting. However, it's where the heart lies. I would call myself extremist because I'm old head, right? We'll just refer to that. I definitely enjoy me my, my skullduggery, Romanesque style, goodbye, Senator, welcome the new emperor style politics. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I will say we'll throw it because you already said it. Brennan is high octane. I'm here to roll initiative and stab people. Um, I call that amateur hour for storytelling because to see that on camera, it's the whole. Re- I was asked why did the wolf pack fight? Why did I cut it short? Because you can you can monkey hunt dice in your own time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to find out whose stat wins out of something else? Go to a craps table, win some money at least. But it's the same effect. Someone's going to get lucky in a die roll and have a streak, and that's that. But if you look at it, power for power, experience for experience, you can figure out how that combat was going to go. But the trick is is to RP the interesting parts and let everybody's imagination mm-hmm. understand why it ended the way it did. Right. Yep. That's the same thing. Um, on camera, would we have a big drag out fight? I'm not saying we're not. When it includes the Sabbat, I will never shortchange that. That is that is definitely a part of what the Sabbat draw is, is to see how they fight because it's vastly different than a Camarilla scuffle. But do we want to make that of DC? The city where if this does, even the Sabbat know this. If we do hit mainstream camera, it goes bad. Mm-hmm. Globally. Because these are the mortals we don't want to know about us. Yeah, I mean, for whatever shape it's going to take, my vote is for the longer-term option. But, um, you know, I'm not going to die on that hill and, and tap out of this chapter. Mm-mm-mm. I like it. Well, DJ likes it. Uh, I'm you like curious the to see long term. Like... Go ahead. No, I was. Uh, I like the the premise of the story. It doesn't have to be honest. We know how this is going to go. For in certain cases, like we had a car chase <laughs> in our previous one. <laughs> you had a car chase. You had a car we, we chase. Kept... Or you had a car race. DJ. <laughs> we, well, no, we had a car chase because we still got chased by other cops. I'm just saying. I know all it takes is for one of us to pick up the chair and yell "World Star," and that's all that needs to happen. It's like the Boondocks. You just throw a folded chair, and the fight breaks out. Don't even have to hit anybody. <laughs> all right. Um. So then let's get to to actual concrete here. Uh, so the part we want to bite at then. We have uh, Vitel negotiations. We have the Tremere holdout and their own plans. We have the Sedites congregation, the Gargoyle congregation, the Anarch congregation. Um, there are several methods here 
from walks of life, you can approach that, but all, all stops lead to Vitell. It's why you're in DC one way or the other. Mm. The only one being of difference is when it comes to the Sabbat. When it comes to Sabbat, it's knowing of the Gehenna war and you know, it's here and they're ramping up detaching to go have this war, but they're not, they're not giving up the city as it were. What it is, is you have a Bishop tally smoke screening, get the hell out, right? You're going to war, go to war. I got this type type mentality. It feels, and uh, they don't know the full story of that. I'm not going to reveal any more because if we're going to go that route where we want to play the Sabbat in, in Exodus, so be it. But uh, we'll leave that for the cameras. But that definitely is something to, uh, to to dive into if you want to. But where are you guys at in that story? What feels right to you? Uh, still that Tremere called out aspect. Yeah, I mean, I, I can support the point of Tremere holdouts or support um, that gargoyle thing, just because you know I'm, I'm a sucker for the new toy. If it were, if we're gonna do Sabat, I want to do give, give me some more, give me, give me like three sessions. Give me like. Well, Mike, it's feeling like anything I do, you're in, and I feel that. But I need you to have a side, like See, of the three pick between Tremere or gargoyle. You pick between one of those two and Sabat. It's either your Tremere, your gargoyle, the other two, or Sabat. Which are the exact opposite? Well, so literally Brennan just one. Okay. Yes. In the interest of solidarity, I will choose Tremere. Okay. DJ, we f- we finally get to play Tremere from session one to now. We finally get the opportunity to play Tremere. <laughs> okay, and this is going to be interesting to me for all sorts of reasons. Um, none more important than this: um, playing Tremere in DC, and you're a technomatic tra- chantry. That that's the that's the that's why it's going to take more than one session. Right, there's not a solid. This is why you're here. Do you hear what I'm saying? What are the factors? As the Tremere, mm-hmm. your clan is suffered a blow, right, so to speak. Something, something has happened. In this case, it's the uh, the books. Your Carner's rebellion that spread through. How much of it has affected what? And that's what's going on. You have a direct Pontifex that's right there in house. That's a stress. I don't think you're playing. You're ready for it. And if you're worried about being in front of Vitell. Now you're Shamir with the Pontifex? Oh, gentlemen, I don't envy you. Uh, we'll be we'll be in touch, is what I'll say. Uh, that's that's what we'll do. We'll see what is going on with the Shamir in DC and with the promise that this may be four four sessions worth. Uh, is is in my head of what it could be. Um, maybe it's done in one. You guys could mess up. Uh, you know, I might get messed up. Just, just saying. Yeah, Jesus. Talk, talk shit in the clan that needs books and why, right? That's. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the one messing them up. Just uh, to be fair, <laughs> I'm just saying a lot of stuff can happen. Uh, but that's it. But, but all right, folks. Um, with that being said, we will uh, roll this out to the cast, and uh, obviously, you'll see this aired along with the video, and uh, you'll you'll understand. You'll have three accompanying. But until then, we'll talk to y'all later. Greetings and salutations in 2023. Um, we are back to officially continue the Beckett Shahad Diary journeys. Um, we were a little late on that, but uh, some ups and downs and some crazy stuff that's every holiday, everybody goes through it, right? So we're going to be tossed up. We just leave that where it is. Um, but in 2023, we're getting back to it. We're on Shadows Coalesce, which is Chapter 3 uh, that we got to in Beckett Shahad actual place. Uh-huh. And where we're picking up is the, the chapter's interesting, kind of laying out the layout for Sejanus, right? Former Prince Patel. Uh, in the previous, you can get an earful of all that. And the, the scenario reminder is that we're the Tremere investigating what is going on with the Chantry there. 
Now, we're going to add a twist. For us, we like the idea that Chantry Prime was hit. This is a downplayed low thing. The Tremere clan definitely knows, and they're still trying to figure out what lords went to ground, what were killed, who's dead, who's not. But the clan is very good at keeping a poker face and holding it together. We mm-hmm. open this story at the backdrop where two archons are sent by Justicar Ian Carfax. A Justicar who, for all intents and purposes, is spinning a lot of plates, making it seem that with the advent of the, um, no doubt, Tagirius is going to step up and everyone can see that the, the Banu Akim, uh, that they're going to be the children of Akim are joining the Camarilla. They're being accepted. Uh, is there more than at this point accepted in cities to kind of govern the loss of the Gangrel, it's thought. Um, but, for reasons unknown, the Anarchs are getting, getting, gaining ever more traction dealing with Anarchs as well. That's the political backdrop because the Brewer are kind of sick of being these ad hoc. They're, they're blamed for political unrest. They're blamed for damning the man, but they're always called upon to save a city when the fighting starts. Mm-hmm. But there's never any release or reward or even being taken serious. And so a lot of them have an axe to grind. Um, but not necessarily every one of them. And so, like the clan Bruja itself, unexpected and up in the air, which seems to be the state of affair that you can expect from them. This is no longer good enough, and a sect realizing wars are on the horizon. It's that simple. Um, so, when you look at DC, which is the control of the known world politically, at least that's the feel of it. Uh, we have the Pentagon, you got the White House, you have... Uh, the headquarters of the CIA, the NSA is around the corner. You have all these super info giants there in the backyard that it's taken two clans, two people really, to hold down the control of that bureaucracy influence-wise. Remember, as vampires, we influence, we don't necessarily control a thing. Mm-hmm. And to that end, you had Marcus Vitelli, a.k.a. Sejanus, who controlled a lot of it. But his rival, Peter Dorfman, Pontifex Peter Dorfman of Claim Jermere, he controlled the political aspects more than even Vitell did. And so they had this war of chiseling at each other. No one's heard of Pontifex Peter Dorfman. The fear is the beckoning got him, and no one said anything. Mm. And that's something that's there. He couldn't have been called back to Vienna because he had to control his area. The orders would have came. Someone would have noted something. That hasn't been done. So instead, Ian Carfax is just simply said as Justicar, and as the highest rank in clan right now, I'm sending my two best archons. And he's sending them in there to do just that. Be covert. Go find the Chantry, figure out what's going on. If you can come back alive. Now, why it has to be covert. The Camarilla has an unknown strength here. When DC was hit and everybody marshaled against Vitell and the big reveal happened, they didn't flee the city. There are a lot of elders who they got too much skin in the game and they're, they're still there. And with Vitell gone, as they thought, Oh, it was a chance. It was a cash grab. It was a chance to move up in the world. One catch. So Janice didn't leave. <laughs> right, that's the whole thing. It's like looking around and oh shit, he's still here. And we can't throw it into World War II because we all know the risk of living here. Now, does that mean they're all there? To some degree, and that got shook up. And we're gonna tell you our version of DC and how that looks. But we're going to add Baltimore was ever a staging ground for the Sabbat. There from there they were launching their talons into DC officially. And right now there is a crusade building. Or really, I should say it's at the doorstep of Vitell, or excuse me, Sejanus. He knows absolutely they're looking to take over DC and swallow it, led by the angel of Cain himself, Vikos. For tonight's purposes, I don't know what these guys are going to do, 
I certainly don't think it's going to go and handle Baltimore in one night, just the two of them. <laughs> Stranger shit has happened on this show. So we'll leave that where it is, and I definitely am not taking it off the table. But note that. So with those pressures abound, everyone is trying to figure out how this lone Lasombra has connections, power to hold off the Sabat, hold off the complete control of the Camarilla, who still want him dead, and also deal with a growing anarch problem that should be flooded into the city in absence of complete Camarilla control. Any questions? No? All right. Small question. Just a small question. <laughs> yep. I, I know you might have told us this already, but I can't recall. Are either of us from D.C.? Like, do we have any area knowledge as far as the status quo, where the Tremere would normally be, how things normally go down when it's not chaos and daytime at the same time? Well, what I can say to that is, is absolutely not. The reason why you would select people not from D.C. is how could they guarantee your control? Yeah. Right, think about that. If this Fatal masqueraded as a venture was there long enough and you're the Tremere who are checking in and now you're returning home, how can you guarantee you didn't have something implanted in you or some form of control or deal made before you left and now come back? And the simple answer is that's why you two were probably chosen as Archons to go in here. Smart cats. You understand that an Archon's best asset is to come in and remain neutral and see what's worth seeing. That's what you do. And, and adjudicate accordingly. So, with that said, come in with a feeling of, yeah, these are fresh eyes, but at the same time, you have objectives. You have a means to get those objectives done. And, you know, you come as Archons come. And that is, you got your retainers that are assigned to you. These people handle the mundane stuff. They check your bags, your tickets, all that, all that nonsense. They make sure the transport of goods are there. You know, you. <laughs> and then they drive you around. The thing is, is knowing where the Chantry is, is not a secret. That is something Carfax would tell you, right? It's not like you're coming to the city, figure out where it is. It's like, no, we you very much know where it is. That is a clan asset. You're of the clan. You're high up in the clan, or at least enough to be investigating. And so certainly you're giving into it. And for, and for a refresher, the clan Chantry is in the Octagon, right? The, uh, it's the Octagon house, excuse me, is the name of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's near the, the, well, it's right smack dab in the neighborhood of the White House, and that's part of its strength. There's even a hotel that's on the grounds near there that's often used, but these are high-profile places. And this chantry in particular represents a historic house. That's the idea behind it. Now, the fun part is, despite its historical significance, the Tremere significance is that this house is to keep a close eye on, well, it feels like assets. The reason you're here is to keep an eye on the White House and everything else that could be going on coming and going. And that's probably how its former Prince Marissa used it, who, was, who happens to have been a Tremere. So these things are laid out to you. Um, but in travel, you guys are arriving at the Ronald Reagan Airport. Now, your plane's been sitting overnight. It's a private jet that was flown in. And where you recently came from, ironically, was Vienna. It's been a long flight. You guys have been cargoed in, but you're dead. And when you're thinking this private jet might be you guys are sitting up front and everybody knows what's going on, that's a lie. This private jet was chartered. There's specific people who are coming from that region. You can afford the jet to come on it. These happen to be your ghouls. This is so they can control what cargo is on it, who messes with it, and who doesn't. And do that you're fragile, handle with care. And, you know, don't open till a destination, all that nonsense. They handle all that. So you've had a lot of time to kind of sit and uh, and think about what you're going to do. Now. In particular, these large, what appear to be to the mundane eyes, thick crates. 
you guys are comfortably sitting in there. It's enough room to be able to read on either an electronic device or a book, your preference. You get a flashlight in high hopes. That's <laughs> you're, you're dead. You don't need much else. Um, but in the time it takes you to get here, it's roughly a day travel. Not that it mattered to you. Um, and jet lag's not a thing. Let's put that out your mind. Um, the opening of the crate is what you hear. It's the crowbar to the nail, opening it up. And you see the fresh faces of the retainers who don't look you in the eye, don't really say anything as you're just opening up the goods. And you guys arrive at a, um, it's on a tarmac that are opening you up at to take you and transfer you to the limo. Uh, that's arrived, waiting, and just for whatever you guys choose to do. Um, the tarmac in the Ronald Reagan Airport, you can see all the activity bustling for normal domestic and all that travel over there. It's an airport like you like you would know. They still have to drive off this tarmac and get you to where you got to be. But right now, you're at the private sector, which if you don't know, to any airport that has one, um, this is where the rich side don't have to deal with stuff like security checks and nonsense. They've already gone through all that. They're ensuring they're traveling safe. Nine times out of ten, it's their own pilot. Uh, the airport security, at best, sends over customs. And that's a lot of paperwork and nonsense you don't have to deal with either. At this airport, though, to point out to you, you both are used to U.S. customs and seeing it, or customs in really any any nation you've had to travel to. And these people are nine-to-fivers. They have a career of it. They come over, look at goods, usually a stamp or some sort of label that's on the outside of something. You never see them. It's eerie to you that these customs officers are well-suited. They look more like Secret Service. And they're standing on the tarmac with a clipboard, and they're observing these crates open. Um, however, you'll note that when you guys are, are about to come out, um, these guys who are there for every reason watching to see what comes out, when, how do I put this? You see that there's no, like you're coming out to look over and see that they're there in time for them to look away and to begin leaving. <laughs> That's what it is. Right? <laughs> so the impression you can get from this is that they definitely are watching for someone, but the question is who and why would they leave? Now, if Sejanus has this much hold, that's chilling. To watch an airport and everything that lands and have guys that sophisticated they're doing their job to leave when they do it, hmm, okay. Um, or is there something else? Mm. You know what? A question for another time. <laughs> A question for another time. Uh, uh, take note of it but let's get moving if he is have this much sway to check all this stuff then we need to get moving yeah yeah I think as soon as we are like on our feet and oriented to our surroundings scene of the crime gotta get to the chantry (laughs) okay Uh, so hopping in the limo and you know telling your driver you know where to go you'll see them because uh, you're at the back, you can see the front. Um, mm-hmm. They, it's not hard. It's the Octagon House. It's a mon- like it's a historical thing. Uh, when they put it in and see how far it is from the airport, they tell you to be about 30, 35 minutes, and they'll begin driving. Um, no sooner do you guys exit the grounds for Ronald Reagan, do the police sirens hit the hit the limo. You see in the back, they're supposed to pull over for whatever reason, and the driver simply looks in the rearview mirror to get your order. Pull over. Um, he'll pull over right at the nearest place he can. He chooses a gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, your driver not being an idiot, or maybe it's just you're that lucky, um, 
could have pulled over to the side in traffic, thought it best to pull over to a gas station where you could use the masquerade here. Mm -hmm. If DC is as restrictive on the masquerade as you've heard, this is the least like that anything's going to go off the jump or anything crazy should happen. But no sooner than you're there, um, you'll see one officer get out very slow. <laughs> you guys are at the back. You can see everything, right? It's the privilege of tinted windows, uh, which annoy every officer, but they're, they seem to be typical normal officers, right? They have the, the vest on, you know, it looks like an older guy has this younger lady that's with him, and he sighs. He's looking over. You can hear him. He's like, okay, um, it, it's your turn. I don't know why this guy has a light out, but it's your turn. And she'll be like, he has a light out. He's like, yeah, that light's out in the back. You don't see that? And she's like, I, I guess. I mean, and how do you tell if it's on or off? Because I thought he hit the brick at work before. He's like, nah, trust me, it's out. These, these guys, I mean, there's government plates. Trust me, it's done. So you're going to do it. So what you got to do, you're going to ask for license and registration, hands, the whole nine. Treat them like anybody else. But really, it's probably some senator's kid. Just take it easy. Do nothing stupid. And, you know, hand me my coffee. And she's like, you can get your own damn coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Clicks the pen. And she goes to the back window versus the driver. And you don't know why that's done, but she'll, she'll tap on the window with her hand. I'll, I'll roll my window down. Like, sir, um, we understand that this is most likely a, a little service and your driver's not going to have the necessary paperwork to govern who runs and owns this vehicle. Um, I'm just not going to bother you in case it's you. I, I appreciate the consideration, uh, ma'am. Uh, it, is there a problem? I, I think I overheard something about our taillights. Um, when you say we overheard something with your taillights, you'll see her pause and her face will deadpan. And she'll simply, why are you in my city? Ah, there's a, um, there's a family matter that I am compelled to look into. Um, she'll go back to normal, like, like anybody would who's been hypnotized. She stops <laughs> for a second, like, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, driver, I'm going to need your license and registration as she goes walking ahead. And uh, the driver complies. He's like, here you go. And here you go. Um, do you need the IDs everyone? She goes, yeah, let's just do an ID check for everybody. Let's just get them all together and get them all together. And uh, <laughs> you're here for a half hour. right? As she grabs IDs, has to run them in and run them back. Everything's checking out. And the guy drinking his coffee is just, why is this taking forever? I mean, <laughs> who is it? Is it like a long list of a long-lost Kennedy returning home, blah, 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 all these jokes she's making over by the car where they think you can't hear him? And she'll say, fly, I don't know what's going on. Like, I went back, and their, their light's working. We really got nothing. I'm just checking them now to make sure we're doing due diligence and let them on. And what happens if we make a mistake? And he goes, nothing. <laughs> well, we make mistakes for cops. You just tell them, sorry, it's our bad, and send them on their way. They might need a doctor's note for where they're going. But, you know, leave them a card. Someone can call to verify this. Whatever asshole boss wants to yell at them. And that's it. So if it's just a light and we're good. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I don't want to do the paperwork anyway. And she'll nod her head. And she'll come back and hand IDs back. She goes, you gentlemen have a nice night. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, 
Thank you for the uh, consideration. Just roll the window up. <laughs> you get in your car. Uh, the cop does not leave until your driver starts pulling away. Um, that's when you see them kill their lights and probably return to, to duty. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hey, Brooks, you ever seen one before? Uh, that is, uh, <clears throat> there are members of our clan that can do things like that. But I've really? never seen any domain have that pervasive of a hold to have patrol cops, um, Manchurian candidated. But I this mean, is DC. That was that was impressive, man. Like random beat cop. Like mm-hmm. we're also dealing with someone much older than anyone else we typically deal with. Huh. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, um, I guess I'll keep an eye over both shoulders. Right. Let's let's get to it. Driving through DC, it is hard not to think about everything you've seen on TV shows, um, all the security that you do see going on. There, there are quite a bit of cops uh, driving to and from. You do spot some government vehicles. Again, not an unusual mm-hmm. sight, but maybe maybe uncomfortable it just seems too too much um but it's almost drowning in the traffic that you get from a city that's popular and and at night and mostly it's because well obviously you're between like like several states right that that can join here and kind of use the capital to that and um you don't get the feeling that this city is different than any other save um for the nightlife there's definitely a different type of pulse to it um, for not just for kindred perspective, but you get to somewhere like Chicago and you hear the stories, it's industry, it's, it's former um, butcher shops and slaughterhouses and everyone kind of takes that mentality as to why it's a quiet downtown area, right? It used to be known for all the slaughterhouses Well, all that got sold off and replaced by businesses. So naturally that gets shut down. However, the opposite end, New York never sleeps. There's always something going on. It always feels like it's never slowed down or anything. However, Washington kind of has it where parts of it seem laid back. Then again, as you pass this parkway or hit the, the Jefferson Parkway and things like that, you can see people still walking around along the park, taking their time, um, all that, en route to where you're going. And you pass, like, you know, go over the Potomac to kind of see that. And whether your driver is just taking you on a tour, it's more or less to see these sites and what's going on. And there's an eerie feeling. You can see the the Ronald Reagan uh, Memorial um, Mm -hmm. and and across that the river, but it's in eyesight of the Pentagon. Like you can, you can exactly see it. Well, you kindred could, if you got out the car, Mm -hmm. but you know, by direction, that's where it is. And looking at the signs. Mm -hmm. And then in this neighborhood, nice parks, Washington monument, you have the white house. That's not far from the octagon at all. So when you guys pull up to the parking lot for the octagon, you have to take a ticket. And it's, it's a machine. It's nothing. This isn't Tremere-like at all. I want to point this out. Right? You get the limo in, turning in, and it's like, oh, we're on the site. No big deal. There's a street that you could park on, but it says no parking anytime. There's a sign up for there, and who wants that ticket issue? And, uh, however, public parking right across the way. Takes maybe, you'd say, 15 spots at that. They bill it as, uh, for all night parking, it's $35. Uh, it's 15 for like one to two hours and et cetera, et cetera. We all have places where we've seen this parking, honestly, a robbery occur. Uh, but 
despite my opinion on it, um, it's partially filled up and it's because it's public. If people take this, hop out, we'll walk wherever they want to go and do what they're going to do. You guys come in and take the ticket and you'll see on there for, uh, for the Octagon house. And it's by the way, ticket tells you it's closed. There's a number mm-hmm. to call to set up visitation and everything else hours of the next day. Pretty cool. Um, you weren't told what to do here other than to go here. And it's pretty obvious. Your driver takes the card. He, he informs you that it's uh, you're set and he will wait for you. Um, and I say your driver, there's two people. You don't really care about these guys. They're taking care of you, but I want you to imagine that as an archon, you see dozens of retainers. Mm-hmm. They're all vetted, all trusted. They're on someone's juice, just not yours. And they're giving orders to follow to help you get there and do whatever. They carry your bags. They have your gear. You call them. They do. It's the same two guys. You're used to them. They dealt with you all the way from Vienna. They're here now. Nothing weird about them other than being normal looking. Uh, and that's that. Um, but they're they're sitting and they're waiting. Um, minus the guy who comes to open. Uh, Mike, you're the side that he opens on. And this is probably strategic. It's the one that faces away from the house. <laughs> You're experienced. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll pop out of the car. And Brooks, some, some old-fashioned sleuthing, maybe? Take a walk around the octagon house, apply our uh, uh, exquisite academic knowledge and understanding, huh? Uh, he'll just kind of raise an eyebrow. She was like, um, th- th- of course, uh, Tibbins, uh, you're a lead. And while he's kind of leading around doing the whole Sherlock Holmes thing, I'm just going to try to use um, spirits touch on the building to see if on the very, very rare off chance that this is a chantry that's been abandoned. Is there any like uh, thaumaturgical warding or effects still on it? What I will say is that as your character, um, you're willing to use spirits touch. I would I would argue that maybe heightened senses mm-hmm. too would make a little more sense. Would you agree? See what you can see, maybe see the aura going on. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking of aura perception of aspects, which I still have, of course. I just didn't actually think that would work on, you know, buildings or inanimate objects. It, it might not. What, I, what I'm describing is that Auspex is basically a psychic power. Yeah. It's I'll, enhanced senses. I'll make so, this simple. We'll just use Auspex on the building. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to describe to you is not that you're inaccurate or wrong. What I'm saying is, is that as a true mayor, you would know if it is warded and you're not included in its protections and something nasty's there, you will be susceptible to it if you don't check first. Okay. And what I'm saying is I agree that you would check first. And so it's a polite suggestion is all. So when you use... Or perception, you do see that absolutely there is some form of warding that is strongly in place. Mm-hmm. Um, what it looks like is that the shape of the entire house and its windows mm-hmm. have some form of, um, well, you're used to this. It is a pinkish to golden glow, uh, which is a power of some type. And what I mean by that is you're not one to sit around and, and memorize. You're not a medium. <laughs> That's not what you got into business for. But you're used to certain things. And um, this has always been a sign or a symbol for, for power itself when those things are mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, a ritual. Okay. Fair enough. But it confirms um, what you thought. Must be the Chantry still intact. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, 
Tivens the Chantry, or at the very least, the wards around it are still intact and still maintained. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good sign. Um, hmm. How would I enter my Chantry if this were my Chantry? Well, I, and this is like an outside, uh, again, it feels like a long shot, but in, in my observation of this place, does there seem to be, what am I, what am I trying to say? Uh, the words that keep coming to my mind are sacred geometry, right? I'm having like a national treasure moment in the brain, mm-hmm. but in, in observing this place on the outside, do I see something that should be, Hey, you Tremere. Enter here <laughs> about his architecture or about any of the monuments or you know the light uh the the Latin in some inscription. Like I was really trying to get this place to once over to see what's what. Okay. Um what I will say is that the the once over as it is you're checking it out, you're trying to see what would make it fallible. Like like if you were an outsider trying to break into here, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And you have to think that way because you are. Like for all intents and purposes, it's precisely what it appears you're doing. Now, there's nothing wrong um, with you to, as you're in the advent of your checking out the the house, um, it'll dawn on you. Mm-hmm. Um, the octagon is a unique shape that had to have been part of why they chose the octagon house, its placement, its location. But every one of these sites has to be a power of some type. Mm-hmm. You're aware of the occult enough to know that it's not just numerology. It's not some some fancy placement of feng shui. Um, but it's not a coincidence that the monument, you know, a nice big, like, 55-foot-tall monument in the middle of a park uh, in front of a front of a water setting that uh, is eye-dropping, you know, everyone. There has to be power from the marches that were held here, from the significant events of the area, from all the way back from the Civil War, right? Um, the White House itself holds power. And represent that unto itself. There are occult groups still alive today on the political end that allegedly these um, near duels of politics are still involved in. So, yes, the octagon would have that. Now, how would you enter here? Well, the answer is how do all of these politicians hide their occult significance if they're a part of it? Won't make it too hard of a thinking. Oh, okay. Go ahead. What I would say is your character can make the quick jump. They hide in plain sight, which means they're not going to have a fancy explosion for touching the house. That would set it off, right? That would, that would ruin what they're trying to do. Um, You do have a card. There's a number to call. Maybe that's it. You also have the ability to um, maybe rely on other sources. For instance, um, there are no Alicia that were still held here in DC. Maybe worth checking out. If you wanted to see if you can run into some folk who who do that sort of thing still, um, but you're right here in front of the building now. You also just see what happens if you ring the doorbell. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to try the mundane first, right? Um, allow let us attempt to ring the door and then perhaps try the nod, the <laughs> knob. <laughs> It's nothing to you walking up to to ring the doorbell or knock on the door. You don't see an answer and nobody moves. You do note something, though. Um, as you ring the doorbell and you're inside of it, you do see this small orb that's up on, like, the ceiling on the on the stair, you know, staircase up. It's sealed over, as you can see in the picture. Uh-huh. And when you go to do it, it's like, oh, that's a camera. 
Oh, so okay. <laughs> maybe someone knows you or can see you or Ed does something. But mm-hmm. someone should know you're there. And at the moment, there's no immediate answer. And you can wait several moments, like five minutes if you want. Um, you still don't get an answer. However, what you do see, there will be a rather odd occurrence. Turning off the street now, and it is noticeable, um, probably more to Peter, uh, for you, Brennan, um, because while he's up at the door to the house, you're pretty much by the street, kind of checking out the, the spiritual wellness of the Chantry itself and letting that go. Mm-hmm. And you see these four motorcycles go by, guys with similar cuts, and on the back of those cuts, it says Vikings. They, they look like maybe the Sons of Anarchy was watched too much, um, but they look the part. <laughs> like they could be on the show. And they this is their second time driving by, you note from memory. You ignored them the first time. Looks like they went with traffic. Now that he's up there in the doorstep, they come through again. Hmm. Um I'll uh get Tibbins' attention. We yeah, might have okay. some company. Recurring passers by, Vikings Motorcycle Club. The uh, unfortunate aspect of the octagon is that when you're standing in front of it, it is um, uh, very easily to be targeted. As when you look around, what it does is we're standing here and we're at like the inside of like a V shape. So anyone that's outside can just get a perfect view of us. Very little shrubbery. <laughs> hey, these things are manufactured that way. Mm hmm. Well, that's peculiar. Um, Tell you what, let's return to the limo, try this phone number, and assume that either our ghouls are armed or the car is armored. What? Yeah, yeah, we got a a phone and there's a camera in there. Maybe there's there's surveillance and we can reach somebody. Um, We'll get in and we'll tell the driver to just start making loops. They're not right. the only ones that can do this. You go back to to get to the limo, and you know, the driver nods as he'll back up, and of course, to leave, you got to put your ticket in for how long you've been there, and they give mm-hmm. a grace period of fifteen minutes. And whether he's happy about it, you assume so. The smirk on his face, he goes to feed the ticket, and we're not here that long. Um, just as the divide comes up for the limo to leave, uh, those four bikes will come and stop at the entrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just idling. Um, one guy um, will get off the bike. Looks rather normal. He's not clean cut, but his goatees, it's biker motif day, right? Just just get that in your head and doesn't seem harmful. What I mean by that isn't walking over with a double barrel sawed off, right? It's just it's walking over. You'll see him reach onto his vest and pulls out what appears to be a phone. And uh, he'll just casually tap the back window. I'll lower it this time. It's for you. I'll take the phone. This is Brooks. Um, you'll look at it. Nobody on the phone. Oh. Just hands you the phone, but you can see that when you have it, it's not locked, and more importantly, it says there's one message, one text message. Okay. I look at the message. Um, what it says, uh, free VIP at Purgatory. And then it gives a link uh, for like a appears to be Google Maps link that you could press to see where it is and see what the hell that's about. Yeah, I'll bring up its, um, uh, I'll press the link, see what kind of place it is, where it is. It is a nightclub. Mm-hmm. It used to be a happening nightclub. Um, very now, 
I will say that's a little disconjoining, even for you, Peter, being you're the youngest of the two. Um, definitely out of your element uh, for your character, Mike. It's a um, that's DJs. Looks like the latest DJs come here to perform. You know, they uh, tore it up on Halloween. They changed the club's name to Purgatory. It's one of the ten hottest places to uh, to shake your boogie down if you're a youthful mortal looking to make a name for yourself or a performer. Okay. Uh, and it, the message did say like some VIP invitation to Purgatory. Did I just make that correct? Up? No, okay. it's not. You, you mishear me. Uh, it's part of the message before, right? So there's a link below it. it says VIP mm-hmm. access. That's what you have. Um, at the very end of this message, there will be a, a QPC code. Okay. And so apparently, you get how that works. You're, you're up on technology. Someone will scan it and kind of tell you what's going on. Okay. Uh, but that's that's what you got. All right. I'll uh, take it. And we'll, uh, <clears throat> Brooks will just look at the guy that's still in the, the window. I'll just like nod at him at the receipt. We'll, uh, take the code and I'll give the driver our address. And I'll give Tibbins the, the rundown on what this place appears to be as we're going. When you got your phone, because I didn't describe it, Biker went back to his bike. And at mm-hmm. that point, they do drive off. Ah, okay. There we go. Really that makes that easy. To it. So assuming you're saying, just to make sure I got that right, yeah, we're going. Uh, I What I say is I just give the address to the driver, um, roll up that window, and uh, to Tibbins. Um, the invitation on the phone was to a, a VIP section for a purgatory club. I'd wager to bet that this is not Dorfman or any other Tremere, as these bikers didn't approach us when we were at the Chantry. Nor do I think this is our Sejanus fellow. Well, it's got to be somebody awfully prescient, right? We've already had one unexpected stop with the police. And I, it can't possibly be a coincidence that uh, those bikers were right on time either, unless they've just been circling the octagon house. So who who could it be? And you know why I'm asking I don't know who it could be. There's different ways of surveilling an area. Certainly the gang girl and the Nosferatu have their own methods. Mm-hmm. Or a darker turn, Tibbins. It could be our cousins on the other side. Yeah. Yep. Well, whatever it is, we'll have to deal with it. And we are the reinforcements. So... Let me take my tie off, and we can get to it. I just say, um, well, never mind. We'll see when we get there. Yeah, let's let's just go. And away we go. All right. Oh, but I was gonna say, Bob, oh, I want to try that number just in case, <laughs> like on the on the right over, like. Maybe it's nothing, but you said I had a card. Due diligence. Yeah. yeah. Um, with due diligence, you call and they, they list, like, it's an automated number. It says, well, it's Octagon House Museum. And, you know, our hours of operation are typical, right? It's from 8 to 4 p.m., uh, Monday through Friday. Um, if you need to reach out to Octagon House Curator, press 1. If you mm-hmm. need to schedule tickets yeah. in place, you press 2. Find out for catering. But, you know, ridiculous things for a historical-sided place. Is pretty typical. 
Um, but they do have a place for you to leave messages. It did say it went to a, the curator itself. Um, that part I will give you is unusual. So, because normally you wouldn't get a direct line to the curator. They would tell you to leave a message and someone would get back to you based on business, or they would leave an email, a uh, series of emails from the, probably on the actual Octagon House card, there is this, talking about to contact for curation, here's this, talk to the manager of the property, here's this. You get the idea. I will leave a message. I'll say, hey, um, this is uh, Mr. Tibbins. Um wanted to come by the house. You know, me and some of my clan are here and thought it would be a nice place to visit. Uh, please give us a call back. All right. I'm just saying, yeah. And your, and your message is delivered. Me and some <laughs> of my clan are here. House and clan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Messages are delivered weird around here. It's okay. Sometimes the way it is. <clears throat> and now, driving out there, um, we, we've done very little uh, to address what your characters look like, and that's my fault for skipping through. We also didn't really introduce the roles that you're playing. Uh, sure. So if we could, real quick, uh, starting with Brennan and then to Mike, if you could uh, give a description of uh, you know just your character's name, what they look like, and uh, we can go from there. Uh, my character, um, Peter Brooks, looks like he's probably a couple of years out of uh, school. He's uh, well-dressed, but not, like, flashy, right? Uh, he looks like he is pretty well off, but not rich kid of, kids of Instagram, right? He's got a um, uh, nice suit, looks expensive, but probably not designer. Um, he is also not the stereotypical like uh, book nerd. He's not. He's not jacked. He's no bodybuilder, right? But there is. Um, uh, he he looks like he it was very physically active in life. Uh, my my character is Julius Timmons, um, also besuited, uh, but to somebody, you know, in the present day, his his style would look either a little bit old or a little bit British, um, and he's shorter, um, square jaw fella, kind of thin, um, from another time, very like Gangs of New York meets GQ. <laughs> Fair enough. What I could describe to you about the, the night scene that you're pulling up to. This place is in um, Adam's neighborhood. Not mm -hmm. the, we'll just, I'll just describe the neighborhood. You two are not from D.C., um, nor am I. But the, the neighborhood in and of itself, um, if you would call it a sleepy residential area that you went through, that leads to somewhat of a business end, but the only happening place on this business end near the waterfront is this club. Mm -hmm. And it has a nice site that's cut off for it. What I mean by that is that, you know, you have the water on one side that you're kind of driving down the parkway to get to, and then it turns into this nightclub itself. And if you can imagine somebody took a, uh, have, have either one of you been to like a Dave and Buster's type atmosphere? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, like a two or three floor arcade slash bar. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. This looks like someone bought that facility out and just rebranded it. And there's a nice drape dropped down the front where you'd see a big orange sign. It was like Dave and Buster's, and it says Purgatory. Mm -hmm. um, still sculpted lawn. Everything looks great, except that you have the classic line that's outside waiting to get in. And you can hear music outside in a low thumping roar, which lets you know it's deafening inside if you can hear that from the parking lot. And it's like, it's like there's a concert going on, and everybody showed up for it. 
Now, what's part of its success, no doubt, is the fact that they have drinks they're delivering outside. Mm. They have a whole checkpoint where it looks like some guards are going to check your ID to get in. And then you walk up and sort of like an outside beer bar almost with like wine tasting going on. And really, this is just active bar bartenders with the stash they have out there to entertain the crowd before they get in. And mm -hmm. it kind of keeps the crowd engaged. It does a rather wondrous thing. Whoever thought of this, pure genius. And the legality for this must have been expensive as hell. Because these people can go back to their cars, or at least they're supposed to, um, except for the fact you do spot plainclothes cops. So the folks that they have here, they're checking IDs for, they actually paid for cops to kind of be out here. And what these cops are doing, because you'll see it even pulling up, when someone leaves to go to their car, this cop walks over to look at their bracelet they have around their, down their wrist and asking, are you driving? Did somebody else drive? What's the deal? And um, kind of keeping that in wraps, right? Your assumption is if somebody wanted to drink and drive, they'd be screwed before they got off the lot. Like immediately, these guys are on the ball. And that's probably how they're able to do it. But uh, that means this club's very successful uh, in that regard. But nonetheless, when you get in the line and uh, start heading up, uh, the first thing happens at that checkpoint is that they ask for ID or if you have any special promo codes, you have uh, what you call it. Um, they specifically ask for like, a UVC in your phone, a message out um, for a VIP service. Um, pull that out now. They'll scan mm -hmm. it and get you situated. I will, uh, to, to cover some pedantry real quick, I will spin blood for a blush of life so I don't appear like a walking corpse. Um, and uh, I will give them the phone that shows the VIP code, the VIP QR code, whatever it was. Second for masquerade preserving falsehoods. <laughs> <laughs> so easy enough. They have whatever uh, whatever device is a, a red skin to it. So it'll go ahead and zap it, is what it looks like. And he'll. Look at you both, nod his head. It's like, yeah, um, what you're going to do, follow this uh, officer here. He'll, he'll direct and point him up to uh, the same guy I was describing. Uh, looks like a young officer. His hair is mm -hmm. probably put here because he looks like he would go here if he was, you know, actually off duty. Yep. And uh, he'll come walking over. What's going on, the guys? He goes, VIP, they're supposed to be up front. He's like, yeah, I got this. Um, you guys come with me. And uh, you kind of follow this. You say probably your height. Tippins, just uh, just to keep it there. You describe yourself as true. Okay. This guy looks like he ate whoever was lifting weights. <laughs> he's, really, he's a serious guy, right? Um, but walking up, he talks about the club real fast, that the club specials and whatnot are posted here. It's uh, no drink minimum, but nobody comes here to be a deadbeat. Only the hottest of the hot get in here. Like, he's paid to give the face of this club as he's going on up to the entrance. And when he gets to the entrance, um, there's, like, four girls that are waiting up there. Mm -hmm. These are not women who are designed to be super slutty, and we'll take you to where you want to go. It doesn't look like that at all. looks like one might be management. The other three must be some sort of hostess, servers, something like that. You're not certain which one is which, uh, but they offer to take your, your suit jackets for comfort. Um, they literally pull out a what looks to be a handheld device to check the temperature inside to show it to you. Uh, that they have 79 degrees is what it is currently in there. Um, for your comfort, you might not need your jacket, but we'll check it, give you a ticket here. Um, very on the up and up. Mm -hmm. Definitely do keep my jacket, but other than that, I'm as polite as can be. <laughs> okay. Um, what I would say for both of you, um, actually more, this is more Brennan. Um, mm -hmm. If you could, go ahead and um, give me a perception and alertness roll. That's not a bad roll. That's a decent roll. There we go. All right. 
So we got that. Nice roll. Any set difficulty? Seven. Sorry. Uh, just some measly four successes. Right. It's a crushing one, but it's very fitting for your character. You don't miss a beat. When they check the temperature inside and hold it back out to you, ideally it would check the temperature outside. Mm-hmm. However, they held it towards you um, when they took it back for a little too long. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll notice as they check your body temp. That's what it did. It's like it pointed at you, clicked it, and then they looked at it, and then they resumed. They don't act any different, but it's a little weird how they do it, and probably you're supposed to be lost in the shuffle of handing in a jacket, getting a ticket, doing whatever, and they would have snuck it. Um, but not for you. That's a detail you easily pick up on. Mm-hmm. All right. That is good to know. Um, hmm. Okay. Um after that, I'm sorry, did our uh, chauffeur at this point just like drop us off here and this is the whole VIP area or do they continue Unless meeting Unless you're not in the VIP area, you're just at the entrance. Okay. So you really okay. didn't mind okay. to do all that and your limo driver wasn't told to come with you. <laughs> your rotators uh-huh. stay where you tell them. Right. Uh, which is fine as far as I'm concerned right now. Um, so I'll uh, note that um That kind of confirms to me that these guys are either ghouls or just paid staff. I'm not going to worry about auspexing anyone in this room, but I am going to try to watch and see VIP area in my mind would be up. So as we're walking up after the coat check, I want to see what I can see using heightened senses at like the, the higher levels of this club. More of the intent, but to finish the description here at the entrance where it's not, like I said, it's, you can hear the music going outside. It holds to the front, meaning it's just the same tone. Mm. However, once they get you guys settled, yeah, we're going in and you're heading in, um, probably with uh, I'll do a plum. There is a bunch of people um, getting down, jumping around on the dance floor itself as you're passing mm-hmm. where the dance floor is and the DJ. And Because mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't like photos? We all do to let you know the type of atmosphere that you're kind of going through. Um, They're deadly close to the DJ. That's my terminology to state that even though he's covered in mist there, there's the guy. And uh, that's it with the non-misted, and he's up there just doing his work. Uh, The people who are up on stage, which is right by him that are dancing, they're permitted to. It probably adds to it. There's Mm -hmm. roughly, your guess, about another 300 people throughout there jumping around, dancing, doing what people in the club do. And then it has a wall. Uh, that's probably the largest bar you've been to. Um, you can see a whole bunch of people that are up at that bar trying to take orders, drinks, doing whatever. And then there's some places in the standoff at like a standing table over here on the side, no big deal. And then, of course, like you assume, stairs up. And the stairs up naturally has a velvet rope guarding it. They're guiding you over there. Unless you guys are telling them, nah, we want to stick out here for a little bit. Not at all. Not at all. Um, it is local. Local fair is what I'll call it. Um, you don't recognize any DJ that is up there that you would know about, although it is quite good. And uh, some EDM music is basically what they got right now, but different times might indicate different realms of music uh, this time. Very popular. Um, for you both, call it a kindred instinct. Being in here, yes, this is a place that one could spot um, drug deals if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You both have the the interest and intellect to kind of spot uh, the... We'll call it the villains in the room. You have a knack for it. There are people a lot here just blowing off steam. 
And then you spot back by the bathroom. There's a guy kind of hanging out wearing shades on the inside is usually an indicator. And he doesn't want to really be known, but yet there are people coming up to him. Even as you're kind of slowly walking through by twos or threes, some being sent away. A little rougher looking girl is actually up by him. A little African-American girl looks like a firebrand. Her hair is braided to one side and you'll watch her shove a guy by his face um, away from approaching too soon. And have to be kind of cooled out by her uh, would-be buddy, whatever they're doing. And it makes you wonder what is really going on. But you're cool with it as they're all doing whatever it is that they do. Um, when you get to the VIP section, they get you to the rope. They tell you to go on up. They don't offer drinks. Nobody slaps a, a bucket in your hand of ice with some with some wine in there. Uh, <laughs> they tell you you're the only people up there tonight. So um, do enjoy. And they send you up to... Wall up the steps. I'm not going to assume you're walking up. Allow me to slow play that until you tell me. Um, as we, because of course we'd be the only people here. They just told us I will be trying to reach out with my aspects to see if there's maybe anyone up here who's trying to maybe hide, you know, obscure uh, using obfuscate. Yes, I got you. As you as you walk up first, your um, your sense of because uh, you're not going to make it sound. You'd be deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> up to there. Um, instead, you focus on vibrations. Right. Someone might be settling movie. Someone moving something across the table, et cetera, et cetera. And indeed, there is. Uh, it's over by the bar, and you sense that before you go all the way up. And when you do get there, um, what you see is a it's about a six foot nine biker that's <laughs> behind the bar, not hiding. Just he's up there, kind of minding his own business. But first, let me lay this out. Mm, okay. These nice velvet backed walls and everything like that. There is a bar that services up here that we're talking about that from the stairs is immediately on the left. Mm-hmm. And behind that bar is, well, the one, the only biker guy. And, and you can tell by his black and white and the artwork that he's important in from a book. I just mm-hmm. want to warn you that in <laughs> yeah, It's almost as though there, there would be a book just about this whole situation or setting. <laughs> okay. Um, well... I will uh, go up to the bar where he was sitting. I'm not going to crowd him, you know. I'll leave a seat in between us. I will go up. And He's dressed like you imagine Rob Zombie. Is it a Rob Zombie like haircut that implied that? Yeah. It's like, that, but it's, like, it's like this guy holds that motif. And think about the Vikings bikers. He reminds you of it. Like someone started a club after him, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you walk up there, what you see is that he has a tray, and um, that's what he's working on. That's what the tapping and whatnot is. Looks like he's lacing up pills by color. Uh, he's getting a couple more than a healthy amount of lines of cocaine that he's kind of smoothing out. And uh, no alcohol. Apparently, that's not his motif. Uh, but you've seen these plastic little squares. There's a lot of them in a neat little row. He has two sleeves of them kind of laying on top of them like Maybe he's going to do some scientific slat investigation later on. Or there's something on those squares. Unfortunately for you, um, my friend Brennan, you've had uh, heightened senses on, kind of looking around anyway. You Mm -hmm. can see the sort of uh, mirage imaging on those squares, as if that's a chemical and when the light hits it, you can see it. You really can see it. And that's, uh, it's got to be LSD. 
Yeah, LSD times is what I was thinking. Is he touching it with his bare hands? No. Okay. Um, like he's not he's not touching those tabs right now. When you get up there, he's just making a line with what appears to be a credit card with cocaine, and uh, he'll he'll look at you uh, both coming up. So yeah, about time. Yeah, um, traffic was uh was killer. Um, I'm Peter Brooks. We've not had an introduction. Yeah, Brooks got it. Who's your buddy? Tibbins. Julius. Nice to meet you. Brooks Brooks and Tibbins. It's like a bad cop film already. I like it. Um, I'm Bjorn. All right, Bjorn. Well well met. Did you send the invitation for us, or is that just kind of a standard thing? No, I won't say invitation, but uh, you've noticed something odd, did you? Coming in? A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the health checks are pretty uh, uh, pretty top notch. It's got to be now. That's like the state of affair. Listen, it's sort of an odd thing that's happened uh, since uh, Vitell got himself revealed. We kind of lost the respect of the cohesion of the tower, as it were. It's not what it used to be. So things are a little different. Was a time you'd arrived at the airport, Prince would have had his guys pick you up right there. You'd have been escorted where you got to go to your first Elysium, probably out to the monument where that monster was going to show you what's what. You'd shake in your boots, terrified of them like you should be, and then welcome to the city. Keep your head down, don't fuck up, or you'll be dealt with. Pretty standard fare. Yeah, well. Let's just say I'm, I, I thought it was a clan problem of cohesion and loyalty. I didn't realize it was a Camarilla problem with the same thing. Because I'm going to tell you something. When everyone found out he was what he was, and that whole Sabat thing kicked off and they pushed in for this Grand Crusade, you know, and folks said Vicos let it, Vicos never touched the field. I got Ooh. people who survived that. No, not at all. They had some psycho LaSombra guy. It was tearing up everything, man. We got betrayed by the Giovanni from the inside, I was told. Just opened the doors and the floodgates, and, and, and hell broke loose. Then again, those are pretty standard rumors. I've heard other people come in and tell me they weren't Giovanni. They were Sedites. You know what they have in common? They're the two odd clans out who won't officially join the golden sect for some reason or another. Opportunists, yeah. Now... Baltimore fellas about have been there. I haven't heard them making an incursion in the city yet. What I did hear was that we went to fold, well, Vitell. Because uh, Archon Bell got a bug up his ass and came with a bunch of venture, and they decided now's the time. And how did that go? Um, you, we, you, we already know the answer to that. I was going to say, you <laughs> could tell me. Uh, oh, never mind, Brooks. Um, all right, uh, just has anybody seen or heard from anybody else at whatever used to be an Elysium around here? What I could tell you is, is that I'm a, I'm going on a whim. You guys got to be the, oh, I don't know, princess to be. You got to be sent by the tower because you're the only people I know would come calm. 
the sabat we spot, they come in and raise hell, and they usually tear off looking for anything that smells like a prince. Like, that's their goal. And uh, you didn't do that. And uh, I'm shocked you made it off the airport. Typically, there's a certain doctor that doesn't like people being at the airport. That's a scary guy. And, uh, well, I'm not calling him a rival, but let's just say he has a mentality I do. We have what we have. We're trying to maintain a semblance of cohesion. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. So what you're saying is you guys, this city's kind of breaking up into fiefdoms. Okay. I'm nothing like a prince, right? I just came here looking after some, some of my people. You know, uh, we got our invitation from you uh, where I was expecting us to be. Uh, kind of a, a ship lost at sea here, man. What is the what is the new status quo? You need to go meet a guy, talk about the place, but you got to trust him and the location. What what's going on? You still didn't tell me who you are. Oh, you okay? I said Tibbins, Archon, Archon, Julius Tibbins. Well, for the reason I brought, and you'll see him grab a stool that's back there and pull it up, and he'll sit on it as he just crosses his arms in front of his chest and is looking. Archon, huh? I'm assuming that's that's, that's both. Archon okay. Brooks. Well, how about you tell me what I can Archon help you with? <clears throat> oh, wait. Let me let me check. You're here to make sure we all get out safely. No. Yeah, that's interesting. Because there's a black brook, a prince head, that allegedly set in there to the Permagen Council. If the Sabbat ever came in, we would shut down control of the city and we would be vacated out by Archons for our safety. And strangely, when you came here to deal with uh, Vitell, that part was forgotten about. We've been here trying to figure out how to survive since. Mm-hmm. We know. Have the... Have there been some skirmishes since Vitell got exposed that, like, what's happening to you? What is the threat on the street tonight all the time? Or is that still over in Baltimore? Am I misunderstanding you right now? What you're looking at is Baltimore has the Hellraisers. That's the Sabbat. Here we deal with Anarchs now. Huh. It's what you think it would be. Yeah. I used to be the primogen of the Bruja clan when that made sense. And why I say that is it's hard to be permanent when you have no prince to sit up and establish that fear. Now, my colleagues, former or otherwise, I know who they are, but we agree not to throw titles around. It's just safer that way. Now, I don't got a choice. I'm known for what I'm known for, but I'm not going to tell you there's a cohesive strength that the cam has here because they don't. That's also deadly depending on who you talk to. I'm going to tell you right now, th- this is a different ball of wax. Uh, Sejanus hasn't declared war officially, but you know he's here. We've already been, we were confronted from, by Sejanus by the moment we left the airport. He has a, um, I'd always heard stories about DC's um, security, and it seems even though he's no longer Camarilla, his security has not diminished, or at least his hold on the local law enforcement, and all of which I'm sure you know at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to say that's shocking news, but uh, no, I haven't experienced it. 
And uh, what I'll tell you is that uh, when he was Vitaly, scared the shit out of me. You know, I was waiting for a moment we'd all declare a hunt on him, and I was going to grab my axe and go at it. I changed my tune when I saw, I saw the fallout. Mm-hmm. What you guys did was shit the bed. I'm going to say that. Whatever investigation you did, whatever ambush you thought you had, it didn't kill him. What's worse is he, it's like he didn't lose a step. You interrupted what's going on. I was told things like that don't exist. I was told there is nothing that powerful or that old. Is mm-hmm. he an antediluvian? Unlikely that old, but not that far away. Do you do you know? No. Not the only sure. reason I don't think he's that high is because, well, we saw him, we know him, and people walked away. That's what we're worried about. I say we. I, I'm not saying I represent anyone, but there are a couple of us who I can't leave. I can't just up and leave. I came from Scandinavia where I watched my clan betray their own. And I came here to avoid that. I thought this capital meant order. And I came here to settle down and kind of figure it out. For him, I can't call a patrol from within. You were duped. But I'm pissed off. If the Venture clan knew he wasn't Venture and they came here to handle it, why'd they do such a shit job with it? Well, you got to understand, you know, somebody old enough to fool them for this long in this city at that title must be old enough to rival some of their best, right? Like, maybe they just didn't know what they were dealing with. We, uh, we're not here to make excuses for the venture, nor are we here to fix their fuck up like you described. I, um, I wasn't on that task force. I can't give you all the details of it. Well, what I can tell you is that we're here for what I gather you're still in DC for clan matters. It's why your people found us outside of that building. You know, I, I, I like that you'd say that. Like, I got that certain, nah, nah, um, how do I put this? You guys old? A couple centuries to you? Not quite. Not yet. What I'm going to say is that, you know, worlds are different, right? Let me tell you how the EU is, or was, in my day. It is a lot of that Viking shit, sure. But as we calmed down, people adapted to the new world. All that stuff. When that happened, I saw people no longer give a shit about an oath made. Mm -hmm. Or an oath kept. And once I saw that, I knew I had to get out because once a person doesn't, you can't honor somebody's word and betrayal is an everyday thing. And I mean, in our, in your lifetime, if you don't see a brother betray his father or a brother, his bro- it's going to happen. I get that. But this idea of clans, leave that for the Scottish. <laughs> it's not to say that, no, there isn't clans and nah, Bruhai have similar. Yeah, sure. But um, DC, man, has, has always been. Um, a chance to find our own. And the politically minded came here and we tolerated that shit. They would come here looking for politics and idea to be blah, blah, blah. Sure. Me, I stayed to the party scene. I came into this. I'm going to be where everybody blows off steam, me included. I'm going to say maybe selfishly, I'm trying to forget the past just a little bit. But why I asked your age is when you're an elder, you don't have the ability to, to understand the youth. It's not there. 
You've seen it all. They think they're new and they're hot shit. They're not. This is the same behavior, rinse and repeat. Like, there, there are some people I've met that thought the freaking printing press was the end-all, be-all of technology. <laughs> and they were made around that time. And so to them, that was their focus. But after a couple centuries for them, and next thing you know, you hear about the Internet. This is supposed to end-all, be-all. Is it a shock? The only shock is you have to get off your dusty ass to figure out what the Internet is now. <laughs> it's not impossible. But you see what I'm saying? But the patterns are the same. People squandering for power now, looking for wealth now to control the majority, to change their place in life. And you got to claw up, step on other people's heads. So my answer to you is no, I don't represent a Bruja clan anymore. And the Bruja are here, but you have to ask those individuals what goes on. I do know a lot of them. Um, but what I'll tell you is one clan I, I wouldn't trust if I were you. That's the Tremere. Not by sight. Now, wait a minute. Why is that? What makes you say that? What did they get up to? Nothing. That's the problem. You you think they would have helped Oust Vittel or would have known, would have trapped him, would have tracked him, would have done something. They didn't do anything. They didn't do a damn thing. Wait, wait, wait. So, as, so as far as you know, the Tremere weren't involved at all in... in that showdown right where he was supposed to be killed, but no. Last, last time I saw Dorfman and uh, I say that with all the derision that sounds, there was a uh, procession of political matters. Someone knew the Senator was coming up and had a private party. And uh, for whatever reason at the monument is where we all agreed to meet because we were going to check out at the time, Vittel to hear his marching orders for the evening, which would have been typical stay the hell away from the party. This is an Elysium, mind your P's and Q's, you're being watched, blah, blah, blah. And right as we got read that riot act, you know, I, I was pointing out to me who this guy Dorfman was. You know, not your regent, not your stand-in primogen, the man for the Tremir clan. And this guy looked every bit as a, he's wearing a $15,000 Armani suit last time I saw him. We're talking dressed to the nines. You would have thought he was a senator or a senator's son or something like that. Super important to his own with Secret Service bodyguarding him. He fit right in with that whole crowd. Untouchable. Fine. No big deal. Except for the fact, what, about a month later, Vitello gets handled? Or I should say thrown out and we're told don't worry about him. And then that guy disappears for a couple weeks until he resurfaces. But it's that couple weeks. Let's talk about that. While he was down, the Sabbat tried to come through, couldn't, because we were left here to hold that back. Thankfully, a lot of the task force that tried to take him out was still looking for him, didn't find him, and helped to buffer the, the Sabbat raid. That's the only reason we're still here. But even they said, specifically, we should know when they were coming, what happened to the Tremere? Well, you know, Bjorn, um, I got some of what might be good news and some of what might be bad news, depending on how you're feeling today. And I've uh, heard about your family's temper, so don't fly off the handle at me. But what would you say that if I told you that not only are we here looking for Dorfman, but we're Tremere? I'd tell you to get the fuck out of my club. Okay. Uh, Tibbins will stand. 
Did he disappear or did Bob just disappear? Okay, no, Bob, that's right me. Bob, Bob faded. I didn't mean to do that. Pay attention to that. No, that's what he says. Um, you'll see him just kind of slink back and make that statement and stare at you. And you stand up and he's not stopping you. Uh, on the way out, like you said, man, but um, obviously we're not from here trying to figure out what happened. Obviously know a lot less about it than you do. If you change your mind, this is the number you can reach me at. Uh, he'll, he'll let it, he'll, where you put your card down is where he lets it sit. Uh, it'll keep his eye on you. Now, before anything gets, gets wayward, I wouldn't get the impression of hate as you got up as much as it is pure distrust. Uh-huh. Okay, good. That's what I was hoping for. He got up. Are you walking out, Tibbins? Um... Well, um, given you're in his space, I'm going to leave if he expects me to leave, but I'm not, like, stomping towards the door. You didn't say you got up, so I'm waiting. No, I, I, I did not. Brooks did not leave yet. Um, I'll turn in the bar seat to, uh, uh, to Bjorn. We're here to find the Pontifex not just because of what he is, what his station is, but because of what he did. Like you said, nothing. There were protocols set up, evacuation that was supposed to be done. He was supposed to be evacuated, and he didn't. Our concern is it wasn't just Sejanus duping the Camarilla. That maybe he was working together, in which case, if he was, this gets a lot more complicated and a lot more dangerous. What your charisma empathy? Difficulty of seven. I believe that is a nine. Let me see. It is not. However, uh, what is empathy under? Is it under Should talents? Just be empathy there. Oh, he doesn't have empathy. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> I kind of misread that situation. So that makes uh, it a nine. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see what four dice can get you. <laughs> Excuse me. Hit. <laughs> It's not hunger. That is the wrong one. <laughs> it's not what I selected. There we go. Four, nine. It's just a. Oh no, that's a. That's a botch. So that no, that's what occurs. Not just a failure. You're, yeah, you're yeah. All right. So what happens is it'll kind of raise his eyebrow. Like, uh huh. All right. Well then, uh, happy happy hunting. Look, I'll be a card this much. What you say is true. There are people who are getting killed here. Like some serious hit squad killed. That's what happened when he wasn't here. So you tell me what that was. So when you do your investigation, what I'd be worried about more than anything, the Anarchs won friends because they came to the aid of certain people targeted in the open. And these people that came had the vehicles, had the look. They looked like any other security team you ever saw. And they started whittling away and taking down certain people. And it was always those who were the most well-known in the clan is what it looked like. None of them were Tremere. That one clan, no hide, no hair. Nobody took a hit. Nobody took a shot. Nobody had a problem. So you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and the I word do. is, the guy who had access to people like that was this Pontifex guy. 
I don't even know what that is. I was told, well, if you look up the definition, it's some important mucky muck guy that, that looks over regions or some shit. Sure, sure titles. I hear every clan has them, but uh, we don't. So, but that's all I can give you. Your Archons, notice I didn't order you out. I said what I would like to happen. So, and I get that. Okay. Have a good well, night. I should tell you, the Justicar that we had here, and it was kind of a city joke, Art Morgan. He's the guy I'm talking about was a good friend that got killed. Now, they targeted him and his so-called Archons, and they wiped them off the face of the planet. Hmm. And that's all why old Sedge wasn't here. Now, if you want to say Sedge did it, I disagree. He tended to be a hands-on guy, I'm told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that matches our interaction with him earlier. Okay. We'll respect your domain. Thank you for inviting us here. He'll, uh, he'll nod his head and uh, let you go. When I mean to let you go, doesn't do anything to stop you from leaving. Right. I will go rejoin Tippins. Uh, we'll head on out to the uh, limo. Easy process. Uh, there's some bastardized version song of Gundam style uh, mm-hmm. just going through here to kind of get people up, which lets you know this is just as just <laughs> cheesy. The slow part of the night, apparently, as you're trying to get that going even more. Gundam style house mix. <laughs> Look, as long they didn't do Baby Shark, all right? So we got that. <laughs> But um, if you got that sense of humor in here and not going through, it is funny to you that uh, while that song plays, you're seeing it through the front. There's a lot of colored packets going out um, mm-hmm. during that song play. You see a few of them can kind of hand palm go through nothing for you to spot. You're undead. You're used to certain odd movements in a certain way. Plus, I know what you guys have. It's something you spot. Um, and your guess is maybe that dealer in the back was targeting certain people to receive product when they get it. Maybe not, but that's what they're getting there. And uh, you'll see people begin to be herded up to where Bjorn is anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> there is a VIP gathering after all. <laughs> um, what I will say is that if it's VIP, maybe it's a unique way to feed. You're not really certain, mm-hmm. but there's got to be a reason to add that party tray. Must be to get people nice and ripped. To not notice what's going on. Yeah, cocktails of a certain kind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, when we get back to the limo, um, before I left Tibbins, uh, Bjorn did drop some other info. I don't know if you overheard it from where you were. Not in there. Uh, when, Lay it on me. While Sejanus was missing, Pontifex was also not to be seen anywhere. Granted, he's not a very visible person on a normal basis. However, he was describing how certain members, important members of the city, were being targeted by security. Uh, Not police, but other people apparently matching the same description every time. One of Bjorn's friends, former Justicar, was one of those taken out. His implication was that 
the Pontifex was someone who moved in enough important circles to have something like that happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that sounds like treachery or most foul and interesting that someone who banished us from his space would be so forthcoming. But who who benefits? Right. If if Thorfinn is what we believe him to be and um, is somebody who could pull off such an operation, who gains from him knocking off several prominent members of 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 this domain for seemingly no gain of his own, right? He hasn't like declared praxis. He hasn't showed up somewhere. We believe Sejanus is still in town, but why? Would he need to claim praxis? Was he clearing the way for Sejanus to come back? Was he maybe in um, a paranoid state, or maybe even rightfully, given whatever information he has? removing other possible traitors in the Camarilla like Sejanus. We simply don't know. We also don't know for sure if it was the Pontifex. All we know is that he has gone dark and broken Tremere protocol. And frankly, abdicated his role if he was supposed to be leadership and did nothing. Um, well, I might have skills for this. Let me request a role. <laughs> request a uh, laser. Bob, could I like do some? Ah, yes, I have politics. Can I make a politics role? to kind of find the negative space in what we've been described right now. Dorfman disappears, a bunch of people get knocked off. Sejanus, there's an attempted assassination. What is the shape? What is the what is the incentive if this is being orchestrated by the same person? Sure, I think there's a puzzle like any other. Give me an intelligence and we'll go with politics. Difficulty is nine. All right. Stand by. success. So your standing theory is you're trying to see all these big events. Do they connect? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll give you with that one success, the once over. Why did the venture wait so long? Because they had to have known something was up to decide to oust this Vitell. If they knew him as Marcus Vitell and he was there, what goes on? Um, well, this Vitell wasn't replaced. That's the one thing you remember being told. Why he lasted so long is because he was always Marcus Vitell. There was not a Marcus Vitell venture that died and he impersonated him. He completely invented what this persona was and sat there. This led to why he wasn't checked, because when he sat there, it must have been he was of an old enough lineage that no one could verify who a sire or grandsire was. So it was just accepted. Why that's weird to you, wouldn't that have gone higher up the fence the way eventually do things? Because you know your clan would have. Yeah. Maybe not. So that's weird. So when they find out, did it just take them that long to move on it? You're not 100% certain. You're an Archon. You know how Justicars work. You build your assets, you bring your tools and your weaponry, and you lay your trap until you're ready to spring it. 
then you spring it. Maybe that's precisely what they did. Now, in the course of doing it, the only thing you think that's odd, they didn't include the rest of the city on it. They did not tell the city that the prince was false and they were there to eliminate him. It wasn't that at all. You don't know how that fallout went. You just know the end result. You know that Theo Bellhead, the witch hunt, was down there with them, and apparently, um, let me just say this. He took a hit to his ego because he used to be known as Killer B. Mm-hmm. One Archon attacks a Sabat. He's a one-man siege tank. No problem. But he runs across this guy, this Vitell, finds out he's something else, and he can't put him down. Now, you also know what the Venture brought. They brought a series of Archons and Ghouls, you know, retainers, who had automatic weapons, and Dragon's Breath was the name of the game. They should have killed whatever it was they're going after, but could not kill this guy. All right, so that's a check. This seems to be that they underestimated their prey. However, while he was down, then someone sent hit squads, according to what you just heard, going around targeting key people to eliminate them. But none of them, the people taken out, were to Sejanus's power base. So what you can get from it at one success is no one in the Camarilla could have or would have staged it. Because if you wanted the prince gone, you know to take out the assets you knew he had. So that would have meant politics. If you were Dorfman, you're just moving over and swallowing that power vacuum. However, if he's not dead and there was checks and bounces in place, this could be why he didn't at all. Fair enough. But nobody moved on his chunk of the pie. That much you're certain. Because that's exactly what it seems like. That's odd. Typically, when a prince stumbles, there are many jackals lining up, sharpening knives to take spots. And people, you know, to claim it's us who did it, and they lose, and they get dealt with. There was none of that. In this case, it was, well, honestly, it was Archons coming in, screwing it up. You know, Venture hit guys or whatever permissions they had, it didn't go well. What's the fallout? You're looking at it. If they were Anarchs waiting to come in and swarm the city, they couldn't, and you know why. It dawns on you the Camarilla has no playbook for this. Yeah. You have a prince in the city controlling everything. Nobody expected it. And when this happened, nobody had time to react to it. So it's business as usual. You still have, there's no power vacuum. Everybody still has what they had, except somebody felt it was time to improve their power base, came around and cleaned a few key people. Now, the one thing he said was that it was a Justicar that got killed. That's what this Bjorn guy says, but what Justicar would have been here that would have got killed? Because that would have been reported. You didn't hear anything of it. Not that you can recall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll look over the books and say, I think, I bet you the people, well, maybe, maybe you would know this already. Did he, did Bjorn describe the loyalties? Like the, the political tendencies of the people who got killed, right? Because we know that Sejanus doesn't appear to have lost any ground, despite the fact that he should have been ash in the wind, right? And then some hit squads came. So, like, if Bjorn doesn't trust us and he thinks it was Dorfman, it might also have been Sejanus circling the wagons. It could have been Sejanus. From every description of him, though, Sejanus is very hands-on. 
makes you make sure you know it's him. He did that to us when we entered the city. Those that died. Uh, I don't remember a Justicar by the name of Art Morgan. I remember some people talking about that name. He sounds like a Camarilla loyalist, but then again, well, Bjorn didn't really strike me as a staunch loyalist to the Camarilla. It could be that the political leanings were for the Camarilla. I can't really tell you because I don't know who the other player in the city is that Dr. Bjorn told us about. Yeah. Yeah. Bjorn was a primogen. Maybe the doctor was another primogen, but I don't, I don't know. We'll see. As a reminder, gentlemen, if you're trying to look up someone in the Camarilla, being Archons, this is stated. You guys come in threes. Mm -hmm. The third that's not here because could make it uh, is considered control, i.e. This is somebody you contact for info. Mm -hmm. So if you're out in the field doing your thing, it's their job to make the phone calls, get the info, and kick it back out to you. Fair point. Um, We'll have to ask control to verify that information. Um. I mean, you can verify some of the deaths of others in the city. Um, as yeah, much as I, I mean, don't, he would seem kind of loose, right? Like he's he's not disloyal, but he's very chill, not overly concerned with titles. Blah blah blah. Doesn't seem like he's going to polish apples for an harpy, does he? Well, his <clears throat> unconcerned for titles, I think, was out of practicality. Sabat were coming in, attacking anyone with titles. That's what they do. You shoot titles, that's one less target. It's not a bad move. Uh, but he had one at some point, so he probably didn't have a huge dislike of them. Also, doesn't probably matter at this point. Well, the reason I say that is if you put yourself in the shoes of a prince who, is, who somebody just attempted to depose, and I'm going to start knocking people off. The Bruja serving LSD at a nightclub is not that high on my list, as long as he's not a problem, right? But I'm, what I'm grasping at here is motive. Because I feel like we're going to have to take the long way around to get to Dorfman. Well, of course we are. Give me a wits politics, both of you. Or in particular, let me do this. Mike, Tibbins, give me wits politics. It's a difficulty eight. It's because of what you said. You're assuming what is Bjorn's angle? Yeah. Only him, he said? Yes. Yeah. Actually, while that's happening, give me one second. You got it. What a success. <laughs> one thing you can get out of here is that as you're, as you're piecing over, what, what is his angle? He's still got his nightclub. He's still a Bruhaya elder. The admitted being here on a primogen doesn't like Sejanus, but is still here. I He's afraid of Sejanus is what you realize. But fear, and he stayed the same place, he still owes loyalty is what you realize. He might still work for Sejanus. That's a very real possibility. It's also the same reason why when you said Archon, suddenly he sat on a stool, crossed his arms, and leaned back. Mm-hmm. So maybe the wrong question is necessarily what his angle is, more or less look at him like a like you might a servant. Right? He's there doing what he do, but at the same time, he brought up all that hoopla about Shamir distrust and what's going on and where are they. Was he did, did he know who you were? 
Well, he certainly knew to send us an invitation at the fucking Chantry. Yeah. Yeah, normally when a Bruja wants to leave, wants you to leave their domain, they're not as gentle about it as he was either. Hmm. That's interesting. Where do we go next? Um. Yeah, I think Brentron has the shape of it. We got to call control. We need information we don't have. Um, so what? Inform- he's not here. I see you. Oh, oh. So uh, I want to know as far as we can tell who died and what their reputation was, as well as what they're holding. So you're making a call to control. Yes, please. Right. <laughs> um, you'll hear it pick up, and this uh, this background static will be there. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is uh, the guy you called. Hey, uh, yeah, it's Tibbs. Do we know who died in all of this hullabaloo uh, out here in D.C.? Who died in D.C. is a loaded question. Are we talking per capita or Like our camp, right? We just got a tip that a bunch of, a certain particular grouping, right, of uh, loyal members got knocked off. We're trying to pull on that thread. Yeah, you got a name of who? That's I made my job easier. That's that's why I'm calling you. Like, do are there people that we know have gone missing since you know the throwdown out here? Oh, I got it. You think? Oh, okay. Um, no, 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 not at like, all. Like what I could tell you is, is that that's not how it works. Um, where I'm sitting at, and this is not me being a jerk. What we were given, and what, and what I know of the place is that we have a prince. You know, he had a children. There was a harpy. I got some primogen names, but like, without you saying who specifically, man, why we sent you there because we haven't heard anything from the city. You understand? Like yeah. these people are, are under tight wraps. Like you're you're in the danger zone. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're supposed to be the hidden guys making hidden moves, talking about hidden shit. I am over here. Let me tell you where I'm at. Okay. All right. I got a van. I got a van. Right, we got the crate. I got the crate in the van. Now it's a conversion van. It's got a nice sound system. Looks comfortable enough, but someone really thought I needed access to a TV van. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I could work the internet. I could look up some stuff. A TV van. I know shit about Channel Six and what I should be reporting, but they said it might be important. Apparently, if an emergency happens, I could see it. I got three different guys down here who you know you know how it goes. They work for the guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they apparently have an idea, but I'm all thumbs when it comes to this. But dossiers I got, we still do that old school. You know, we got the disc, you load it in, that stuff's protected, no access to it. So, Okay, all right, let me pull on you one more time then. Do you, uh, two people, two names. One, there's a Bjorn, right, claims to be uh, the wise. Primogen. Yeah. Yeah. Any... Strange or unexpected allegiances in his history. I know probably not because of his title, but like we're we're grasping here. Uh, I'll tell you what's strange that the prince kept him. I mean, this guy had a had a known hatred, dislike uh, of him. Was pretty vocal about it behind the prince's back, and Vitell kind of kept him on. My guess is because of the the fear that's there. 
that's the only time you ever see that. So apparently he came to the city, and like everyone, they have that first terrifying meeting with Vitale laying the law of the land, and then he was allowed to be here, but he immediately went to Anarch Leanings. A lot of Bruhai Anarchs in the area just really don't like the fact that guy's a, a total dick where he is. Story old as time. Tyrant Prince, there's a faction, and the Bruhai take a long time to build to do anything. Bjorn apparently, I don't know how to put this. Yeah, it seems like he just jumped in with the camp. It was safer to do that than do otherwise. And he provided a buffer for those people with Anarch Leanings for him to deal with this Vitell guy. So that's what it seems he did. What's more interesting is the war he came out of. Really? Back in the day, in good old Scandinavia, it's, uh, I don't know if you know this, it's uh, Camarilla and Sabat out there. In, in the great cold north? It's different. So in Sweden, the Sabat have turf, the Camarilla have turf, and they coexist in the same place. Huh. Yeah, all in the name of profit. I, uh, it's, it's not this that I've read. I'm, I'm more fascinated by that because whenever you run into somebody that comes out of there, to them, the Sabbat are just normal, normal licks, man. They're normal people. They, they collect, they do their thing. They pay their 30% tax thing out there, whatever it is. And uh, they all go off and worship Odin, some more bloody than others, but they respect the masquerade. It is odd. They're an enemy of the sect, but they don't try to incre- uh, infringe upon each other's territory. And why they don't, is the reason Bjorn's pissed. Apparently, he tried to stage a coup, him and the other Bruja out there, and more than a few gangrel. There's a certain venture that woke up and decided that all all must go that weren't part of this old regime. And uh, some people talk as neo-pagan shit. It's like they woke up and where's Odin? And someone said, upsile your asshole. And, and <laughs> Bjorn was part of it. And when they tried to push, his own clan betrayed him. <laughs> And he survived. He had to survive leaving some big war fallout that came through based on these old school connections, and he just didn't fit the gap. Now, when he leaves, he comes to DC thinking to escape all that, and that's as much as we can know about it because that's as much as he's blabbed and yelled and said to others. Now, we don't know the truth of it. For all we know, this guy should have been prince and got beat out of just sour grapes, but that seems to be the skinny. But what, he, what I can tell you from that, this guy seems like a turncoat. Seems if he doesn't get what he wants, he goes to the guy that will give him what he wants. So I don't know. Do the math. If he's in the primogen seat, and then Sejanus takes over, or Sejanus is always there, just not Cam anymore. And Cam wants Sejanus dead. Good luck. We're trying. Right? We're putting efforts in. What do you think he serves sitting in his backyard? Yeah, the devil he knows that leaves him alone and lets him serve LSD to his right. herd. Yeah. So we're back to square one wondering about his thing. Hey, he didn't jump you, right? Nope, not at all. Maybe it, maybe it's not so done and done, but uh, he's there. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. Um, last uh, question, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm milking you so much. I'll buy you dinner when I see you again. What about the um, – yeah, we heard about a doctor – at the at who normally is like the gatekeeper at the airport, Bjorn was surprised he didn't meet us there. Any 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 bills? I can go through the. Did he give you any more details besides there's a there's a doctor? Well, he called him the doctor and said he tends not to like people being at the airport at all. Other than that, nah. Gatekeeper, a doctor, a doctor that doesn't like people at the airport. Does does this guy not know what an airport's for? 
us. You know, you know what I'm saying. He doesn't like us. Generally speaking, visitors to the airport get a stiff reception until they get escorted to the man and have their orientation talk. About as much as I could think of, they have a, a Dr. Steve Norton, but I thought he was into, I think there's an asylum out there that he uh, kind of had his, I mean, let me double check here. It's out in Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah. There's a, there's an asylum out in Bethesda, or at least there used to be. I don't know if there is now. We got away from asylums in the States. That's sort of a, sort of a bad word nowadays. Yeah, yeah, the abuse of patients and informed consent and blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, um, that is that is at least an, another breadcrumb, man. We, um, we have made zero progress on the objective other than to know that the locks are still on the doors at home. We'll update you. Something comes up. You know, there's a couple. I forgot about that. That, that first guy, that was Art Morgan's Archon. Right. I remember. Here it is. Here it is. I'm looking at this right now. This guy was on a list. This guy was on a list. The uh, the first doctor I met, this Norton character, uh-huh. uh, he's he, he told you some sort of great jewel thief. Is what this thing was all about. Yeah, he's, he showed up at the radar once or twice for this this crazy story um, about him breaking in somewhere and getting some sort of information, and he threatened a. I think he actually threatened himself, and it was debunked by the prince. And he was going to be staked or something like that and put to the side, and Art Morgan picked him up for his talent, right? But why? what I mean by picked him up, there was like a weird gang girl political thing where I guess that clan once upon a time stopped sniffing their own butts and decided they could vote in a Justicar. And Art right? Morgan, why, why doesn't Art Morgan ring a bell for me? And why doesn't ring a bell? Because he never made it to Justicar. That's why your archives, guys, were archives. He didn't, he didn't make it. But the thing is, is that the gang girl faction, the clan faction in the city, wanted to put Art Morgan in charge because apparently he got along with, like, werewolves and and allegedly mages and everything else. But think about it. He hired some bullshit Malkavian who thought he was a high, hot shit art thief. Like, how much of this is true? And I remember we were supposed to check it out, but we put it back in the list and put it back in the list and... No harm, no foul. No one considered this guy a Justicar. They, it's just that's that's a unique thing here. But I remember this guy because he was actually a threat. Because when when the whole internet tech thing hit, yeah, yeah, this is this, this is a guy they came to because when the Anarchs started doing their thing, they wanted to make sure the art thief or the jewel thief didn't get around to showing some tricks about what he was pulling because he knew a thing or two about computers. It was half the problem. Okay. So this art thief does not haven at the asylum. <laughs> nah, that's the other doctor. It's the other doctor. Holy. There, there's a there's a doctor here as a museum named after him. Or a museum. No, it's a house. It's a mansion on a hill. And he's kind of in D.C. He's known for this house. But it's because the Bethesda Mental Health Institute, which I checked, still exists for behavioral correction. It's still there. We don't call it an asylum. It's behavioral correction. Institute. So what that means is you are somebody who's having trouble with modern issues like, you know, your uh, if you need Prozac or Ritalin or, you know, excesses of, of, you know, you know, all the stuff that people say they have now, because uh-huh. that's the uh-huh. thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's you yeah, yeah. If it's bad, you go here, he rehabs you. That, that's what it is. It's like a rehab place, but they don't call it that because he's got serious money. Is what it is. He's this other doctor. The problem is when that place was an asylum, 
he ran it then too. We know that that's on paper, but that he's, he's, he's a Malk. Like I hate saying that word. It, that's what he is. So you get what you pay for with that guy. Yeah. Okay. So we got the asylum with the crazy Malk and the dungeon of horrors. And then we have the doctor reputed to be the archon for the, not just a car art Morgan who we don't know dick about. Um, Hmm. Nothing, not even an address phone number for that. Uh, supposed archon to the, not just the car, uh, reputation it's, hangouts. It's, it's not that I have a problem giving out the number. In fact, I'll text it to you, but, uh, I don't know which one's a bigger bite. Cause, uh, didn't you like, wh- why are we asking about art Morgan? That that's my curiosity. So we got, I was telling you about Bjorn. He said our Morgan got killed. He said our Morgan was one of a number of people who got killed uh, shortly after the failed attempt on the, the, the former prince now tyrant of DC. Um, some folks got knocked off. There was lots of fighting. It looked real suspicious. You know, Clan Tremere didn't show up. Lots of questions. City is balkanizing. Um, but he, he said Art Morgan was his buddy, and he died in the struggle. Um, and we started looking for a doctor um, because that was another of the people who were on the list of, like, folks this Bjorn seemed so upset we're currently missing. And we were we were trying to close the loop, right? Find a motive, find an incentive based on who had been killed or supposedly killed. All right. So that's the that's that's the how and the why. I'll give you this guy's number, but if uh this this Morgan guy was killed, I don't know, would you go down without your dress car? I mean that seems to be a bit far fetched, right? No, no, certainly not. Um me before him. I Yeah, maybe we start with the Malk. Maybe we start Which with one? <laughs> Are they both Malk? I didn't realize that they're both Okay. <laughs> We're gonna start it <laughs> I guess we'll start at the asylum and circle back. <laughs> or maybe we'll phone. I'll talk to Brooks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he hands you the phone. Apparently, he's talking to Control. You can see that already. Hey, Control. Um, so, Tibbins is right. I, I'm, let me make sure I didn't hear you. You handed me the phone with Control? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Um,. <laughs> Tibbins is right in our conversation with Bjorn. He was talking about not just Art Morgan being taken out, but several other influentials, even though he didn't really give names. I'm more interested in, is there any way we can confirm any security service was around during this time frame? I'm sure there was. This is like there's Blackwater and such that government uses, but... Is there any way we could verify that one if we have general locations? Yeah, but which one? 
right? That's the thing. You're saying that one. I'm saying which one. Yeah, we need the name for it. Of course we do. Um, Bjorn didn't have that. Didn't know that. Um, what what I could tell you is that uh, what it sounds like. Uh, what are the odds they ran the hunters? Wherever this was. Oh, vampires puppeting hunters. I've I've never heard of such a thing. It's uh, uh I certainly haven't. I'm, that seems to yeah. be counterintuitive. In fact, I know for a fact. Even Vitell doesn't do that. Any hunter group, CIA, NSA, FBI, is strictly off limits. It's, it's non grata. Now, if he was holding it as Vitell, he's got to be keeping that as a Janus. There's no way. Question mm-hmm. is, was your guy Dorfman? Yeah, we were trying to take the long way around to that, right? We, Like I said, we went by the house. The locks are still on the door. Last, Bjorn said the last time he saw Dorfman, was at some muckety-muck meeting, not quite a rally, but a gathering at one of the monuments. Dude had his security. Suit was looking nice. Everything was normal. Hasn't been seen since. So, um, what I love about this, uh, the hearing of vamps is this three-way call you can do with that speaker. Yep. So, uh, uh, we're, it's on speakerphone. <laughs> uh, he's literally made some, he's being dead serious. I mean, guys, uh, I, I, well, this is funny. It's all plausible. You're in yeah, for each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Talks going on. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, he'll continue on and just, uh, all I can tell you is that what, what you're throwing at me is where you want to lay your groundwork. But if you can get into a chantry and you're Tremere, it's kind of the point that you guys are in field. I mean, I'm back here nosing it up. And I'm not an ass. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I'll admit it's rare for a set out of my caliber to earn such a lofty position, but that's what happens when you're blood bound in yo, am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, here's, here's what I can say. I'll do this boring bullshit work of going back to see if uh, I mean, we're in a TV camera. Maybe we could call someone that knows about that dark time for Kindred somehow when when people that don't exist are being killed by secret security teams. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a hiccup. Maybe someone screwed up. We can we can try if you want. We can start laying the paperwork and see if we can get a couple cold cases cracked or whatever it is to go over that time period. Uh, but that's about that's about most I could do. And either way, it's not going to help you tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, maybe we take a, another another swing at home base. Oh, what I could tell oh, you is that there's a a hotel. Let me see what it is. Washington Hotel that has a standing Elysium that is a. Uh, it might be worth a crack. I mean, you might run into Sejanus. That's you have to understand what he's declared as Alicia is a lot of places, mm-hmm. so nothing's permitted. So we're talking what? It's you got DC, we got the monuments, anywhere like that, anywhere public and important, like Capitol Hill. Forget about it. People are supposed to be able to go there and commingle all that stuff. But the harpy allegedly hangs out near the Washington Monument, is where you could see. Once upon a time is what I'm telling you. I'm going on past information. I don't know who's out there now. But I can also tell you the prince's former child used to go out there and walks with daddy, apparently, at the same rate. But that's uh, that's anarch reported. Hmm. 
Okay. I'll add that to the list. The Harpy, did you have a name? The Harpy, yeah, it's a Tremere. It's, uh, let's see here. Was it Sarah? No, it wasn't Sarah. Was it Smith? No, it's a different person. Um, out of curiosity, if I can name who the Tremere chick is, do I get like a prize? <laughs> it's um, like I'm naming someone you don't, and I'm kind of finding that funny. Sure, you'll you'll win a new uh, iPhone. You're, you're gonna have to do better than that. I don't know why it's a new iPhone all of a sudden, but uh, do you like watches? I, I'm I'm trying to get something out of here for this because I'm trying to figure out why you didn't know who it is. So, because um, it's a two for here. Like, if you guys are Tremere and you are, um, Helena Taylor is her name. That's the name. But it sounds a little fishy because uh, she's like. There were a couple harpies in the city. She's the lead one, though. That's the important one. Mm-hmm. That's the one vying for everyone thought should be Seneschal and should be the prince over the other two um, struggling titans, um, being Dorfman and Vitel. Mm-hmm. But for the record, I'm going to bet you to checked in, right? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> checked your decoder ring, the whole nine. How do you know about the decoder rings? <laughs> Fancy guess. Somebody's been talking too much. We got to get a barrel of acid ready. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to threaten your life. Jesus. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Control. Uh, he'll hang up. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get your text message for Dr. Creed. Out of, out of character question, Bob. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe not entirely out of character, but mostly out of character. The only methods for breaking wards that Mike is familiar with involve egregious levels of property damage and counter magic, neither yes. of which are viable in this situation. So yeah, is there I, a, it, go ahead. Go ahead, Bertrand. I was going to say, I don't think either of us have like magical ward safe character character concepts like that might be a a separate thing it's actually kind of an interesting idea but we don't have that right now so no we don't. What, I, what i could tell you is that you do you do the action so if you ask me if you can or would it's are you putting your character to do it and that's the thing but answer me the second question and that is what would the trimmer code say which is what you're really here to uphold um right. I mean, I'm here on fucking clean business. The Tremere would say, let me into the Chantry, except no one let me in the Chantry. <laughs> uh, my Tremere clan code says uh, you succeed. That's what, that's what you do. Um, so, <laughs> Were you guys uh, sent by clan Tremere to come in here? Right, this we, is the part, you're both missing this. If you were sent as Archons to investigate this Chantry and why it is the way it is, that means they didn't roll out the carpet. That means they didn't phone ahead of the Chantry. They've got no uh-huh. contact with the Chantry. There's no right. the ability to set this up for you to open it up. Right? That's why you were sent. It's for you to go see what's going on, what the deal is, and figure it out from there. Right. But what, what, uh, what that tells me, and again, either of you, let me know if I'm just being my brash self, 
It tells me it's now my job to break into the Chantry because that is both Cam territory and clan business. Um, but I would okay. rather I would rather not create a disaster in the neighborhood of the White House. So, and why would you want to create a disaster in the neighborhood of the White House? Because obviously of the masquerade and the the broader concern about like what Sejanus is up to in this city. All right, so it sounds like you're telling me you're not going to do anything over overhanded. All right, it's fair. Yeah. Um, but as far as to why you're not just waltzing in the door because it's a chantry and you weren't given the Dakota ring, is because every chantry's ran different, right? Yeah, yeah. On purpose, regents set up the sanctity and, and safety of the place. Typical rituals that you're used to knowing about that are in place that help the chantry stay hidden. They help those who should have access have access. But the one thing you know is that they had had the blood of the original people when they designed these wards so that those wards don't affect them as they go in. Mm-hmm. You know that much is Tremere. You're outsiders. It would be to make contact of whoever's here. But being here, there's quite a bit of info you have. One, there's no Tremere outside of this chantry. No one's mentioned it. Mm-hmm. You, you have no idea how to contact them. But if only there were a ritual that you guys could do that would permit you to contact yeah, I'm somebody looking, in a chantry of the neighboring area. It. I'm looking for it, damn you. <laughs> I know it's around here somewhere. I think it's like Silver Mirror or something, or at least the one I'm thinking of is both people have to start a ritual at the same time. That one might be the more overcomplicated one. That's if you're having like, you know, a Zoom call over a Silver Mirror. There might be a blood message in a bottle option that I'm unaware of out of the literal thousand rituals (laughs) of just Clan Tremere. (laughs) (laughs) Um... There's the welcoming ritual is the one that I am thinking of. It is the right, it's the, I just can't remember what it's called. Introduction. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's absolute. You guys are a little out of sync. Uh, it's because you're, you're archons. I may have, Bob, been sitting here tickled that we didn't do this first, but that's, uh, that's me as Bob. Um, so we're totally cool with that. And uh, any little poke I could do with you to get you there. Uh, but the point is, we can also say you wanted to do the ground floor first. You want to see what was going on um, because we could say you're also testing the security of the building. Mm-hmm. It's a very real concern. If you could just walk up and bring the doorbell and it's open, and you can go in. We kind of got a problem. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so, But you know, the, you know, the wards are intact. You know, that's there. You left the message. If you would, anybody who's mundane, um, but they're not going to know who you are. That's the point of you being an archon, mm-hmm. right? You're an archon made. They'd have to have context to know from your neck of the woods who you are before you accepted the title. Certainly they can do that once you're in front of them and check out all sources, blood given, all sorts of magical ways to, to confirm. But this belies the point. Light of introduction would have to be done. Feel so silly. <laughs> don't feel silly. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe a little bit, but you know, you don't have to feel silly <laughs> for long. <laughs> well, um, I, I suppose I'll do the honors. I, I thought you were. Let me. That's why. That's why I was waiting here. I was like, "Oh yeah, if only I knew this ritual." Silence. I'm trying. You, you do to <laughs> find the text of it. So, for the purposes of like. Doing your own thing. You know what the right of introduction is for. Mm-hmm. Let's just try it this way. How would your character enact this right of introduction, knowing that it's supposed to be a message delivered? Um, 
Hmm. Tell you what, I'll walk you through. I'll walk you through it, okay? Just simple enough. Stop the mystics. I'm trying to give you that Shamir experience where we tell you you should have looked up your ritual. And that's how it goes. <laughs> but as your character learns it, a right of introduction is actually kind of uh, uh it's really annoying. And it's because a lot of people tend to not do it because if a letter was sent ahead to go forward, it seems to be an old school checks and balance thing. Mm-hmm. However, might be making its way back around considering it doesn't involve technology. And that's the point. Um, this requires you to get, um, what am I thinking? Um, not mist, not fog. I boil water. I get this. Rainwater? No, no. Steam. Boil water, you get the fogginess steam. Thank you. I don't know why I okay. can't think of that. Um, so you get a sizable bowl, right? Put that in, fill with water. It's supposed to be hot water. The steam up in front of a mirror enables you to have this telepathic conversation uh, briefly uh, with the regent of a chantry. Basically, the one who set up the wards is the governor of uh, or the, the leader of the chantry, so to speak. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay. Um, it is the middle of the night. We will boil water at our hotel. <laughs> that sounds great. Get a hotel, you check in, hot water's provided. Um, it's one of the annoying things about servants. You're the ritual caster. They can't do this. Mm-hmm. So you have to do it. They just provide you the bowl. You get it. It's not hard. And uh, as if most rituals, this does require a bit of crimson. Um, it is a not a full blood point, but some blood from your finger is dripped into the water. That misting begins to happen when it does because it's just hot water. And as the uh, the screen does get, excuse me, the screen, the, the mirror does get foggy um, due to steam. We're not going to monkey hump dice. It's not a hard ritual to conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are you saying? Now, formally, you're supposed to give your ranking clan, this is who you are, this is one of the formal ways of checks and balance, because they're supposed to instinctively know the truth of what you're saying to them, based on connection. Because if you're a non-Shamir trying to cast this ritual and somehow know it, it simply doesn't work. Um, yeah, I would, I would speak as, as formally as possible. You know, this is uh, Archon Julius Tibbins, uh, whatever of the cer- certain circle, and um, here on behalf. So remember, of, I told you. Remember me telling you what your apprentice rank was before. High enough. You, what you said was that it was high so, enough. An apprentice, apprentice of the sixth circle. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll I'm, take this over for you, Mike. We'll do that. We'll make the right. The formality of it would be. You know, I am Julius Tibbins, apprentice of the Sixth Circle, serving in capacity of Archon, and then you would deliver your message. Yeah. Um, I think I would just say I am seeking access to the uh, Chantry at the Octagon House for the purposes of an introduction and um, an, an investigation. Um, the response you get is it doesn't take long. Is You say that, and it's just words. The response you get is that it's as if they're in the room with you. And uh, what you will hear is this uh, definite feminine voice. Um, seems to be well and in control, if not a tad annoyed. Archon Julius, it's a pleasure hearing from you. Had you contacted through normal means, this would have been 
a different encounter. Uh, what I could tell you is you already know where the Chantry House is, or you would not have been able to find it. So this confirms thought that you are of the clan. Uh, to the nature of why you're here in Archon, what do we owe the pleasure? Well, uh, recent events in uh, D.C. Have- and you'll see the mirror. This would be the length of the ritual. Not unusual to you. Uh, this isn't a conversation. It's long enough for you to make contact and get that done. Okay. And when it's said, when it's said and done, one of the things that will happen is that you will see your phone ring. And what it's registered is, is from the Octagon House is what it pulls up as. Answer? Definitely answer. <laughs> um, you'll, you'll hear it. Archon Julius, I thought to make this more formal. I know the limitations of the ritual. Thank you for the greeting and confirmation of whom you are. We can talk freely now. Uh, well, I I uh, appreciate your your courtesy, uh, despite some stumbling on my part this evening. Um, what if if I can be just a little blunt, a little forward about it? What is going on here? Apparently, this chantry has gone completely silent. We've heard tales of deaths. Um, obviously, you're aware of the attempted assassination of the former uh, prince. What? What is? What's happening in DC, and why can't we get into the chantry? <laughs> well, quite frankly, you can't get into the chantry because it's up to the pontifex to make his decision mm-hmm. as to whether or not you're permitted, and you simply don't rate for him to be concerned of you at the moment. Fair enough. So the pontifex as well. He's well enough. The aspect of your visit is what we're curious about. If all it was was to see if the chantry is fine, all we're well endowed and we're doing well. Well, it's, it's not people to see if the chantry is fine. It's that the pontifex is of, of some rank. The city has just lost its prince and there's Rumors spreading like wildfire. I suppose this makes a uh, interesting problem for the Camarilla, doesn't it? Indeed it does. <laughs> okay, wait. Can we pause, Bob? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the particular chops, especially uh, clan business, right? But is there a way? Could I roll? Perhaps my etiquette or my subterfuge or maybe even my enigmas. Because you told me at the beginning of this journey, right, that I was here basically as an aster first. But I don't know how to signal that to her without being an asshole about it. So it's like, well, well, it's a secret order. Right. Right. Would you signal it to her? Kinda, I, I feel like I gotta, but not if you know, you know what I mean. Like, I I know that you are driving this ship, and if and if that's what you feel, you got to do to open doors, and that's what you got to do. I feel that I must because my care. I'm here for house and clan. I happen to be an archon in this particular situation, but I don't. Mike does not have the acumen to say that in a way that is not. What I would say is that you can go ahead and roll your, uh, we'll say etiquette, and uh, your charisma. Difficulty is six. All right. Uh, three, five, seven, five, okay. 
Um, you do it. You do it beautifully. You you correct yourself and you say, um, "The business and nature of why I'm here specifically is that I was always curious as to how the DC Chantry actually upholds its ideals in the code, and it came here for a reeducation of that same process and to check to see if there's any assistance I can lend the Chantry in these matters, up to and including handling any problems that you may have, and of course reporting back in kind to the clan on your behalf." And when you lay it on that thick in that way, you more or less state to the law in the letter as to what an answer would be doing here and why. Mm-hmm. And uh, what she'll do is pause. I suppose I can report that on. As regent, though, I find that a bit uh, shocking. Um, I don't know what you expect at this point. To to visit must be certainly at your discretion. It is, um, and well, my concerns for the clan's well-being <laughs> in this town, uh, frankly, uh, require that I, I, I connect my leadership to the Pontifex at this time. Right. Oh, most interesting. So there's. Oh, you're saying there's an emergency requiring you to to play messenger. I'm saying that I'm concerned that there may be. Well, your concerns are irrelevant, apprentice. So I have to be forward about that, if not a tad rude. So you're telling me you're here to play messenger for someone doesn't quite rate as to being important enough for me to suddenly say, come on by for tea. Now, if you're here for a specific problem, I'm all ears. As regent, it's my right to hear of problems under my house. On behalf of clan, of course. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a specific reason other than to say you're trying to connect one with the other, what I could say is you've heard no response because Dorfman is, excuse me, Pontifex Dorfman has not decided that you should have a response. And that should be well and good enough for you. Now, if you're saying your business is of such a caliber that you insist, well, then, of course, you are welcome to come and insist away. You can speak to him directly, in, in fact. Um, not at this time. Uh, Madam Regent, I uh, I'll respect the the Pontifex's privacy. Um, certainly have more investigating to do in town. Anyway, um, can I contact you again at this number? You can simply come by the Chantry, knowing that that who you are that showed up to the doorstep. We of course saw you. We just didn't answer the door. Fair and reasonable. Um, thank you. And uh, chill. Have a good night. And uh, chill. Hang up. Well, Dorfman's alive. Apparently, perfectly fine in his fortification of 
both literal and figurative stone. Am I missing something here, Brooks? I believe we're missing a lot of information. Like, man's got a whole bunch of power. Safe, clearly. Strong relationships with the leadership in this city, regardless of sect. Mm-hmm. Some bad stuff goes down. The Venture and the Bruja show up, attempt to kill the prince, apparently fail. I mean, I guess he could be hiding because he's a suspect. Could also be hiding because he is focusing on what his duties were as Pontifex. Yeah, right. I don't know how much contact he has with outside with the rest of the clan. I would guess because we are here and because we are facing this exact problem that outside of whichever inner council member he reported to directly, he doesn't have any contact with the clan, meaning he doesn't talk to anyone in the clan anymore. Yeah, but that doesn't explain why people would have, air quotes, expected to hear from him and why he's gone completely out of sight from people who were seeing him on a regular basis in this town. It doesn't. And you're right. Uh, worst case scenario, perhaps he up and joined Karna, but I don't think that's what happened. Yeah. Regardless, Ian Carfax, just a car Carfax, has a uh, role for us to play. Well, why Carfax did not follow protocol is uh, important. He's also prime candidate for leadership of the clan right now and that needs to be conveyed and if he is not going to take over that role we need to know why well and, and then is he even a threat to the clan and to be frank we wouldn't be the first first functionaries sent on a role as a political demonstration it might be bullshit maybe we're here so we can say he addressed it as the Tremere Justicar must I don't think we're here for bullshit, uh, Tibbins. The Prime Chantry burned down. The Inner Council is gone. This is not uh, uh, a front. Right, but what I'm saying is he may have had to address it because of who he is, and thus we are here. But if there's no there there, right? Like, Dorfman's alive. Chantry's secure. Sejanus was attempted to be harmed, but has apparently maintained stability in the absence of any help from the sect outside of his own power structure. Right? So, what, what, is, what am I missing? There seems to be nothing wrong other than the, the sect failed to kill this prince. Nothing wrong, but it's it's that the that Justicars and Archons failed to kill this Lasombra that was a prince of the Camarilla. And not only did they stop, failed to kill him, his power structures uninjured. And from what we've seen, it's when we left the airport, Sejanus made sure that we knew this is still his city. And for all Tremere and Camarilla protocol we don't have anything to address this because he's right. He, he apparently, 
either that was a bluff and there's nothing he could actually do to stop us or because we told him this was clan business and that we're not here to take the city. He simply let us go through. Yeah. I mean, As for what else we don't know, we don't know what the Pontifex is thinking. And that is a, the majority of this picture. The only way we're going to have a shot of finding that out is to stand in front of them, which we apparently have a invitation to do now. Is to the is to do what? Which we have an invitation to do now? Uh to talk with the Pontifex. Or at the very least the Regent. The no, no, the Regent made it very clear that the Pontifex does not want to be interrupted. And so that if we interrupt him, it had better be for a damn emergency. Uh I consider this an emergency. Topic of leadership of the clan. Uh yes. I don't I don't believe that's in question. But again, Pontifex sought to be leadership of the clan. He could declare himself as such, as could, frankly, our Justicar, right? Why is nobody saying anything? He who wishes to be leadership of the clan, or for that matter, speak on the leadership of the clan, does not hide in his fortress. Uh, that's, I, I can, there's logic in that. I'd be willing to agree with you, but we can't know until we see him. No, no, no. It, what I'm saying is that you, we, we, you don't wave your badge around and barge in to go ask a question that if an answer were to be were to be offered, it would be obvious, right? We can't like if we were to say something about clan leadership, who better who's in a better position, right? We're missing something here. Yes, yes. I've, uh, as I've said, we're missing a lot. Fine, we don't go up and march into his office to speak with him. But you already have an introduction to the chantry. You gave that regent a reason why you would come to that chantry. We should, at the very least, go in and see what happened to the rest of the Tremere that also disappeared. What is going on with this? Obviously, something is not right with the Tremere hierarchy in Washington, D.C. We owe it to our Justicar and our clan to find out why. Yeah, sure. Um... Something's not right here, man. I don't mean that in the general sense. I, I agree. What could they be hiding? Like what? Why wouldn't they say, "Oh yeah, come on over. We've got drinks." What? We go in there. We're not going to see anything they don't want us to see anyway. We're not going to talk to anybody they don't want us to talk to anyway. Yeah, fine. Let's go. <laughs> well, I was waiting for it too. So <laughs> it sounds like you're doing it. So you're going to go back to the chantry. Yeah, sure. Yes. Okay. Um, going back to the chantry, it is a simple matter for you to approach the door. 
how are we gonna do this? You're gonna walk up, you're gonna you're gonna call, you're gonna stand there until the yeah, you're recognized like, on camera. Yeah, just like last time, ring the doorbell, look up at the camera. Hello. <laughs> it will be several moments that do go by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of it, which you'll see is a very slick looking guy who also note by the book reference, uh, to get his strong cheekbone structure and slickness. <laughs> Um, he shows up to the front of the door, and uh, he himself doesn't have a suit jacket on. Uh, he's well-muscled, uh, perfect smile, million-dollar teeth, um, which is impressive considering the time he must have come from, right? Um, at least that's the impression you get. And he's made time to talk to you. But what you can see him is that he's on the phone, and he's like, oh, of course, I have to go. We'll talk business later. Um, do me a favor. Sell twice, buy once. Uh, don't go over the line, though. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Tabitha, I'll see you in London. And I hang up the phone. I'm sorry. You know, regents to regent, it's it's difficult. Well, I mean, but, uh, sorry, regency. I know a regent in London. She's she's good. But I, I got time for you gentlemen. He's a full archons, yes? You're archons? Um, that's correct. Mm, archon second. Peter Brooks. He'll pull out a, a mistletoe that's on a red string. Is what it looks like like yarn, and he'll literally hold it out in front of the door if he could come in. <laughs> All right, <laughs> noted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, coming in. I will walk in behind Tibbins. Uh, he'll roll the string around it again and put it back in his inside uh, pocket, uh, just on the front of his vest, and he'll shut the door. He's like, "Well." Welcome to the Octagon House. This this is your first time, of course. It is. Well, uh, for humor's sake, what what year is it? Year? I'm sorry, what? Uh, I I did say for humor's sake. 2009. Wait, what? What year is it? BJD was set in like 2009. Is that the year we're going off of? <laughs> so you're yes, so you're yeah. You're here, and he asked that. You're like, this is the year, blah blah blah. He's like, oh, so almost a decade, not that long at all. Hardly shocking, really. Um, if I if I could ask, um, we weren't really prepared to house anybody. Are you uh staying? No, no, we will not be staying. This is really just a, a cursory visit. Uh, we have to say that we did. Ah, right this way, gentlemen. Second floor, please don't dawdle or get lost. It's very important. And so he'll head up the steps, and as he's walking, he'll... You have to understand the Octagon's house history is steeped in mortal suspicion. Seems that the, the man who built the house had a daughter who was here that tripped, fell down these very stairs, and died. Apparently she haunts these halls. Out of respect for her, we don't dawdle in the hall. You understand. And so of course. enter the first room on the right at the top of the steps. And and honestly, you're I'd say a little shocked. Most chantries kinda have their own flair, different modern amenities or whatever. This one overlooks the uh the streets outside, somewhat of the woods. Uh, much like how a lot of DC is made to look nice, you know, <laughs> ultimate lawn care. And uh he comes in, he sits down at one of the chairs, and he invites you both, literally by hand gesture. Please sit, sit. Ah, my name. I am Cohen Rose, apprentice of the Fifth Circle. And uh, here DC's Chantry, handpicked by Pontifex Dorfman himself to be here. Um, before you ask, yes, I am quite accomplished. I get that question all the time. 
most likely better than you, and uh, that's why we were picked here. This is the best Chantry next to Vienna. So that said, all well and good. Um, enough about us. You came here for you. I understand it's very important that you are Archons, but you also understand your title means nothing inside these walls. It's to the, to the letter of the code, indeed. Uh, of of course, um, but to, to that to that point, um, I, I guess I can ask you the obvious question: Is there some reason you can make us aware of that the Octagon House has chosen to cut off uh, most forms of communication? Probably Piter. <laughs> uh, guy, so beneath us. Um, Apprentice Piter uh, is a um, Peter Van Dorn, by the way, he's um, it's a bit of a problem. And I'd say that's probably the, the most singular reason why I was cut off. You understand, he's always had his own way of being. I've expressed such to Pontifex Dorfman and Regent Helena that uh, he was going to be no end to problem. No one listens to me in that regard because there might be a bit of a rivalry between the two of us. But it's too late for that. He made his play, so to speak. Some time ago, he refused to report in, claimed all sorts of things, and um, what is it? He uh, he claimed his title as Archon, so forgive me if I'm I'm a bit off-put by that. It's one of the reasons why we scoff at titles of Archon. Uh, there's a guy named Art Morgan, if you haven't met him, a gang girl who, of course, mm-hmm. brought this piter in with him and filled his head full of a different way the sect was supposed to be. And Piter thought this was more sufficient to the utilitarian socialism ideas he had that the entire Camarilla should be. And I scoff at the idea. We're built in the pyramid. <laughs> uh, it, it does sound quite ridiculous. Um, and I would imagine you've not heard from him in quite some time. Some time. Hmm. Give or take nine years, as you say. Nine years. Hardly a crime. I don't know where you're from, but there's no uh, check-in required once here. I mean, he has assets and holdings somewhere in this town. Well, he just doesn't come by the clubhouse. I, I hope that I hope that my humility is is too grating, but I don't understand why his abandonment of his role and duty would make the the house itself um, go silent. What abandonment of role and duty? Well, you, you make it sound as if he stopped um, re- returning to the Chantry. He stopped interacting with you all as he as he fled entirely and nobody pursued him. Oh, my God. You're, you're so human. Uh-huh. It's a Chantry. And as Tremere, we, um, I don't know how to explain this. Some, some projects take years. Could even take decades, depending on what you're doing. And Pater Van Dorn needs all the time he needs. It's probably a new ritual that he discovered has taken him a long time to get a hold of. But that's between him and the regent as to whether or not he needs to check in with Mommy. But you know the clan. You know how it is. You'll never bring your successes unless you're certain they're a success. And you never bring new knowledge that you can't confirm by repeating it in front of your peers. So, and faced with me and others, I, as I said, next to Vienna, we're the best chantry. So you're not going to come mm-hmm. here and not be certain that what you can do is rock solid, I'm afraid. So I, I'm not shocked that the has been out of my hair this long. 
I'm simply stating that it's because he's not good. He's inadequate. That's why he's not here. And as I said, you caught the part where I said he has anarch sympathies. Of course. Yes, I did. So if he's distracted so far, I'll let him go. I'm certain when the regent feels he's crossed the line, she'll bring it in. But again, the punishment of her apprentices is, is her purveyance. All right, but you described Pyre's status as potentially a contributing factor to the silence of the Chantry itself. And why would, why would that be? I did, and maybe I was that was too vague for you. I don't care for Piter, uh-huh. and I think he's a black eye for the Tremere period. Uh-huh. That's my personal opinion. If you were to hold that as Archon truth and a reason to hunt him, please do. <laughs> I only have a few places where he hung out, but by all means, find him. Get rid of him. Send him back to Vienna. Okay, Bob, I gotta I gotta ask you for another role again. I can't figure out why Buddy does not seem to actually hear what I am asking him about why the chantry is silent. And I feel like I need to make an occult role or maybe an enigmas. I feel like it's you feel you need you need you feel you need to figure out a puzzle or to figure out esoterica in yes. regards mm-hmm. to what this guy is saying. Um, you know, how about feel- we just go with the quote? Go ahead. I feel like there might be some reason he's not aware of something magical, like thaumaturgical or related to disciplines for why he seems to just whoop, every time I, he's just like the question just passes through his brain. Well, what I'm going to say is that neither of those roles will help you. Okay. I'll right. figure that out. But as you're trying to see if there's a power afoot, I'll give it to you that your character will look. And granted, you're in a chantry. You're certain this guy is magical to some degree. What Tremere walks around with no rituals. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, that won't help you. But maybe he's simply avoiding what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Without a world, that's the only possibility. Either he didn't hear you, or he's deliberately avoiding to answer the question. Okay. All right. Um, as a, uh, a curiosity, if you'll permit me, uh, uh, Mr. Cohen, when was the last time you had the, the pleasure of the Pontifex's company? He'll lean back casually and uh, cross his right leg over his left knee and uh, Don, either one of you smoke. I do. I prefer a good cigar. The cigarette's fine. I I appreciate the offer. I I meant, do you have a cigarette? And my jacket's not on me. Oh, absolutely not. No, I I didn't even bring any cigars with me. I'm sorry. Uh, All right. Um, The Pontifex and I are on good terms. Um, I saw him this past week, as always, and for reasons befitting that of a, well, nature of what the Pontifex asked me to do. Mm -hmm. What I do is I go to Elysia on occasion, and when I go to these Elysia, it used to be a nightly affair, but things change around here. I grew bored and stale with it, and I stayed in for a long time, nine years to be specific, uh, on account of uh, research, plain and simple. 
The political environment has changed in D.C., requiring uh, an intensive pattern of instruction from the pontifex and following orders to the exact as dictated by the regent. We follow accordingly. Makes perfect sense to me. Discipline is uh, is one of the great virtues. Um, I'm I'm bored to tears. I mean, there are things I've missed, certain art exhibits, parties, and gala events, but at the same time, what do you do? I'm also told vaping is way more proper to perform than smoking a cigar or a cigarette. I had hoped you brought one in, but um, alas, understand Amazon's iffy about certain credit cards being used at a historical house for delivery. Uh-huh. Um, again, uh, a personal question. I, I don't mean to be rude, and I do appreciate all the grace you've offered us so far. Uh, Mr. Cohen, when is the last time you left the chantry? Like, maybe to procure a vape and, and try one out for yourself. Oh, let me try this again. Nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So you asked. You, wait, wait, wait. You you, you used to go to Elysia's, but that was nine years ago, and since then you've not had the opportunity to try a vape. That's what you're telling me. That's correct. Hey, uh, Bob, just so I, 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 as the player, have the right timeline for this, I am assuming that nine years ago was the whole Sejanus attempted murder yes. thing, mm-hmm. and that that didn't work. And okay, and when certain other people decided to just drop off the face of the earth in DC. Yes, and the timeline right. we're playing with, okay. yes. Now, for okay. the audience watching, that year may not add up, but we're trying not to be V5. Right. right. That's the point. We're trying to BJD it, so that's why. Right. BJD. Time frame is like 2009. <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay. All right. Um, yep. Oh, can you tell us about the nature of your studies these past nine years? I'm sure they're very intensive, but I hope they're at least rewarding for you. The nature of my studies? Oh, the typical. I've uh, my, my usage here is wasted on just thaumaturgical, although certainly that's there. But my last thaumaturgical necessity, um, I let fall to the wayside. I am what you might call a, a political magnet. My job mm-hmm. is to ensure the pulse and flow of the mortals all around us, and I do so diligently, nowhere near to the extent the Pontifex shows grace and aptitude for. But I was handpicked for this ability to blend in, join in, and um, influence the ebb and flow of the near dwells in the city. I guess, in short, we could say I'm a hedonist. <laughs> <laughs> Refreshing honesty. <laughs> I'm sure these last nine years have been even more uh, constraining for you, given that. Well, let's just say necessarily so. And and why? I mean, gentlemen, I see the suspicion and the wonder and what have you. Um, we are not 100% aware of what happens outside of these walls on purpose. The Pontifex has uh, demanded that we resolve to his information network. And only for him. And naturally, as the pyramid is set, we know what we're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. That's all. I do get to leave on occasion, but only for clan business. And then I'm back. That doesn't allow me to run and grab a vape or grocery or suits or anything. I'm told to leave to do this. As dutiful as any apprentice is precisely what I do. And I come back accordingly. Now, whether I'm in my stingray vet or not, I get a little leeway here and there. 
But the point is, you leave, you make a scene, you come back, none the wiser. I make phone calls, I keep in touch with everyone. There is an online presence that I dutifully have a retainer handle. And uh, all my calls, my personal assistance beyond reproach. And uh, it's honestly through her I keep up with a lot of trends as well. Necessarily so. We fell under, I believe they call Sabat protocol upon the assault to the city um, as we saw it coming. We don't know the result because you're the first archons to come ask. Hmm. Interesting. Well, protocol. People have come before claiming to be a lot of things, but we ignore them. Mm-hmm. Now, as per ritual set and powers provided, many don't recall coming to this door and trying to force their way in. It's the nature of the magics. The pontifex himself set that. Regent Helena might be the only one to tell you the outcome of said events, but we know certain things. We know when a new kindred enters the border, which is how we knew you arrived at the airport. We know the means, we know the location, we know what they look like. Now, we don't know who you are. And so when you came here, you got the treatment anybody else would have when they got to the door. What I find interesting is that Bjorn took an interest in you. Now, I know Bjorn. We've talked. We've even partied on occasion. Every now and again, it's good to let one's uh, suit jacket out, as it were. And Bjorn is a coward, as he ever was, terrified of one uh, Vitell. I don't know what happened with Vitell, but I do know that in Bjorn's instance, uh, he grew increasingly uncomfortable with the treatment of the Bruja under mm-hmm. the uh, would-be, uh, well, Ventru Lord. And uh, what I mean by that is, is that when Marissa was the prince, the Bruja had a better position. Bjorn was more welcome, from what I understand. I didn't really pay attention. We came on with the Pontifex. Our interest was never... I'll just tell you, it was legendary to watch Marissa and Dorfman go at it, uh, politically and otherwise. All the spin-doctoring, the brilliance of discussion, the strategic placement of relationships in the city, just beyond reproach, our clan. However, Vittel was as typical as a venture, going for armies when he could be going for those who create and fold armies overnight. They simply weren't playing in the same field. Well, before you knew it, when Vittel figured out how to correct it, this city became a different landscape. Marissa met her end, and that is that. And Vittel assumed power. Now, Dorfman and Vittel have been enemies since, politically. But you must understand, we always knew there was a delicate balance of the masquerade. This town does not give well to open warfare. Mm-mm. It'd be no, suicide. It does not. So, understand our shock when Baltimore got involved. I don't know, have you ever had the displeasure of understanding what the supposed Angel of Cain is about? No. Never faced I have we, not. Had, we had a senator go missing, then was returned, and then these things came after him. They looked like, uh, I would call, bodyguards, secret service agents. They actually breached the White House and thought they'd get in close. It turns out the mortals are a bit more canny than Sabat gives them credit for And upon these things coming in and making way into the White House, they thought the president sits at the White House at all times and behind a desk and goes nowhere. Just so happens the day this uh, derelict thing, this angel of Cain, decided to send these assassins, there was no president to be had. However, the senator that they smelled was there and present, and they decided they were going to try to kill, if you want to call it that. We'll never know, because Secret Service gunned them down before they could. That's the uh, the way they operate. They couldn't pass protocol. They made it through a cursory check. They looked the part until 
They grab weapons to commit harm and end their life. Turns out bullets work on the servants as anyone else. Well, after that, we got stricter. You can't have an assassination in the White House. This never hit the paper. That's a political scandal. These things were handled beforehand. But somehow I think they blame the, uh, the Iranians in some capacity, which is ridiculous. I mean, seriously, the people have an extensive culture of... Never mind. The point is, is that you can't... It's, it's the American way to blame a false enemy in order to handle whatever issue they have internally. And we understand that because we influence that response. You understand that? Yes, I of course. That is an ignorant people. You can, you got it. So, um, sorry. What was your question again? I got lost in that fiasco. Oh, the point I wanted to make. Bjorn's greatest failing is the fact that when he saw an opportunity to move up, he relied on someone else to handle the coup for him, and it went terribly. And what we're referring to is Art Morgan. Mm-hmm. Art Morgan. Art Clinton. Morgan. The so-called Justicar with the so-called Archons. Well, Art Morgan claimed he had information on Vitell way before anyone else, and he was conducting an investigation. Piter tried convincing me he was onto something. I called him an idiot, a buffoon, really. And he left with the blessing of the regent. And, and I understand her point. If you think about it, you could see it. What if he's right? Then I, Cohen Rose, am the buffoon. Mm-hmm. But if he's wrong, well, what I could say is I'm here and get to talk to the Pontifex and serve house and clan for almost a decade now, exclusively. My one rival hasn't touched the building. What do you think her opinion is? Oh, seems that she's certainly decided who uh, who's deserving of favor. That would be you. So I'm up. I'm afraid I have no juicy story for you. To undergo, except, you know, clan politics, my archons. Mm. Or is it Aster, Mr. Tibbins? <laughs> Tibbs will just smile, <laughs> just says, just ear to ear, and say not a word. <laughs> you know, I, it's just, it's just, uh, you hear a thing or two. Uh, the, the thing is, is that we're the second best chancery. We're also, uh, Marissa had a standing rule with uh, Helena. Regent Taylor, that is. She's a bit of a uh, it's harpy of the city as well. She wants everyone to get along, ideally. And she has a bit of a soft spot for, we'll call it the human endeavors. So an Aster who's revealed in such a capacity is normally invited in and executed. Mm-hmm. Um, you understand? You're nodding your head as if you know revealing what you are should have been your death. Um. Well, let's just say your Archon title might save you that. But uh, as for your order, we'll leave you to it. We won't report a thing. We obviously respect the usage of one such as you, but I just want you to know that with me knowing what's going on, at your word, I'll keep your secret. But I'm immune to your hunts. I am not here to hunt you, Mr. Cohen. Um... Ever, ever, Mr. Tibbins, that's the privilege. Your order never hunts me. And I keep your secret. It's not a promise I can give you, um, unfortunately. You certainly can. You can say as easily as you told the regent. Cohen Rose, I will not hunt you within house and clan, because naturally, you're beyond reproach. You're a good man. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, I can't, Mr. Rose. Um, I can tell you that I'm not here for you. Uh, I can tell you that that's unfortunate for you. I mean, someone's simply going to have to inform the right people. Careful when you see this man, he's an aster, he's coming to you, so on and so forth. And eventually, as this goes, there was a ban on secret societies and clan, as you well know, that there is only ever House Tremere. And to have a secret society inside of House Tremere is a, what do they call it, a division that we simply can't have when unity is there. It's to the code. And naturally, you're part of a secret organization designed to hunt out who you feel is not proper for house and clan when it just simply isn't your decision to make. Now, there may be a pontifex, maybe one counselor gets along with it, but certainly not all of them, hence why they banished the secret orders that did exist. And that was to kill the existing members, so terrible for you. Now, I'll do you one better. Whoever comes to kill you, naturally, they might try to stop that, and then we find out who that is, and it goes up the chain. These things burn up like matchsticks. So it's terrible. Suppose it could be. Um, let me know when the uh, when the executioner is on his way. Um, oh, when the executioner is on his way, I meant here at this house. Like, the roaches check in, but as the commercial says. I mean, she did try to warn you from coming here. As I said, she is the human heart beating in this chantry. Mm. Fair. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, no, no, Mr. Rose, I can't. Um, or, Mr. Cohen, I. Uh, it's not a thing I can promise you. I, I don't really know. I don't know what you're defending. Um. You know what I'm what? I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what you're defending here. What? what? I believe he is simply saying that at no time will the Astors or yourself come after him if he keeps your secret. I think that's what he's asking. I think it's the entirety of it in this situation right now. Bob, you're not recording right now. Can you... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't see a dot either. Am I? Oh, wait, there it is. Never mind. Still good, yeah? Yeah, you're good now. You're recording. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, Mr. Rose, if that's what you what you're saying, I I will not. Okay, now Mike has the problem. Now Mike has the problem? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once we get to the three hour phase, Riverside keeps uh, starts to have issue. Go ahead, Mike. Back. Yeah. You are back. All right. Um yeah, Mr. Rose, I've, I, I, Julius Timmons, will not hunt you. I, there's no animosity, none, no hunting, no hunting for Cohen Rose. Perfect. 
Well, this makes us perfectly capable associates serving house and clan under the same roof with no fear of reprisal. Of course, yes. Anything else? Any? Would you permit me to just walk these grounds a while? Something is scratching at my brain. What I'm trying to understand is that you're aware this is a chantry and walking these grounds unattended is not what this chantry does. I've been assigned to you to take you places, but so far you've sat down to discourse. And of that discourse is you decided to mire yourself in the politics of D.C. So be it. Now, not even I, nine years outdated, save for what I knew then, we've been under a chantry, we'll call it lockdown. Under Pontifex order. And you're here. Now, once we told you that, you were informed and you came here. Right? Warded away because an aster's the last thing we need. Yet you're here. Now that you're here, well and good, and I don't have to worry about you, I'll take you wherever you like in terms of what I know the Pontifex would permit you. Unless you wish to speak directly to the Pontifex, and I won't stop you. But might I suggest uh, having a better story than confusion? I've only got one more question for you, Mr. Rose. Uh, do you have a suspicion of any kind, of it, for any reason, as to why your Pontifex would cut the Chantry off? Seemingly from D.C. And, and the rest of the clan. Pontifex Dorfman is our Pontifex. And you're questioning why he does something, and I think that is what is going to get you in trouble. You're an apprentice. Your place isn't to question anyone above your rank. It is to obey. And so it is. Now, that said, you outrank me. Of course, but I'm just asking your opinion. I'm, I'm not asking you to know, right? So in the vein of that opinion, when I'm told to do something by a ranking member, it simply gets done. If I stop to ask why I was doing something, they simply would stop asking me to do things, which means I lose importance. Now, why would I show that ineptitude? Now, what I can tell you, I have, and that is, when danger presented itself, the Tremir of Note and Worth were kept under lock and key in the safety and sanctity of this chantry. That's what we've been doing. As far as contact outside of the clan, maybe there has been, but that's the Pontifex in Regent to determine that, not I. I certainly obeyed no electronic communication to any known kindred or organizations permitted. I touched no electronics, as told by... <clears throat> Excuse me, the Chantry. Now, retainers are permitted. They don't know what we know, and they don't know who we know. But they are a connection to the world. They're permitted to come and go and do whatever they do. On occasion, I've been given specific leave to do certain affairs, but that's it. Most of them were ritual collection. Brooks? Anything for our gracious host? Um, Apprentice Rose, you've been most helpful tonight. I hope this lockdown ends up, uh, 
alleviating soon. Of course, that is at the Pontifex's discretion. That's just goodwill to you. Uh, I believe uh, we are done for now. Um, like you said, the we did not forewarn the Chantry of our appearance here, and therefore they couldn't uh, set up to house us for the day. We have our own arrangements outside of the Chantry, uh, and we'll return there now. It being uh, an early hour as it is. Well, leaving, of course, is your purveyance. I can show you gentlemen to the door if you'd like. It would be appreciated, Apprentice. He'll nod and stand up, and uh, he'll right this way, gentlemen. Follow him up. All right. Um, you have no problem whatsoever falling to the door that you know where it is, and you will see him just simply open the door after you. Um, head back to the car. Okay. Um, you head back to the car, door shuts. You guys have no problem getting to the limo. It is unique, though, that your driver, you'll see him eating dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, you get back, and it looks like they got sandwiches, and they're they're kind of chewing and eating, and they're like, okay, you know, they'll quickly fold it and put it up. Um, you were in there for a bit. You didn't think long enough for them to go and order a meal and come back and... Uh-huh. Hey, do I know of any rituals that might use a mistletoe over a door frame? That you don't know. But okay. you do know that the right. significance of it is sympathetic magic. Mm-hmm. It is possible that that string, in your theory, uh, would connect to the mistletoe and in your presence, that he was simply signifying or fooling the rituals that you are being there, or it's a specific item of power assigned to them uh, to enable certain guest visitors that are of Tremere blood to come in. Because you know this much. If you weren't of Tremere blood, even that much wouldn't save you from whatever defense this chantry has. Yeah, that might have just been the opening of the zipper for the house wards. All right. Correct. <laughs> it's a great way of putting it. <laughs> I don't think Mike agrees, but we're sitting in the back of the limo. But the um, one thing you will catch that I was pointing out and kind of hinting to was the mm-hmm. fact that there's some sort of time dilation while you were in there. Yeah, that's that's what I was that's what I was thinking. And when you look, you gentlemen have lost one hour on top of like the twenty thirty you were there. That's distressing. It's interesting. I've not heard anything like that. What's um, that. What time is it? So you guys would have got here at about 10 o'clock. It's now about 1130. Okay. Um. Um, so that is interesting. I wasn't expecting that amount of information control in that chantry. It does make that harder. You described the coup, right? He said that Bjorn, when it was time for a coup, allowed Art Morgan to follow through on it, right? Rather than doing it himself. And it got Art Morgan killed. Well, he didn't say that got Art Morgan killed, but we can put two and two together. Bjorn says Art Morgan's dead. Cohen says Art Morgan tried to stage a coup. Um, he was talking of Alicia's and still the regent having her harpy position. 
And he talked about a rivalry with Sejanus. He never mentioned Sejanus being removed or attempted to be removed as prince. He never mentioned, um, well, he did say he was ignorant of anything that happened within the past nine years. He might not be aware that it was just Akars and Archons that tried to remove Sejanus. He might think it was the Art Morgan and his um, pseudo-Archons. might think that because that's what the Pontifex has told him. Which would rhyme with the spurious claim that Art Morgan was a Justicar to begin with. Um, I don't think he was ever a Justicar. I think he was a Justicar hopeful. Well, but that's what I mean. Spurious, he, mm. they, they, people have called him Justicar knowing full well he's not actually. I, um, huh. Well, I think I've made my conclusions. I, uh, Don't have material evidence, as it were. Um, you got any any concerns? Any follow up you want to do, Brooks? You want to stop by that Elysium at the hotel, maybe, knowing full well who might be there? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, at least a half decent next step. The time dilation of the Chantry, I think, does lend to some of the lockdown they've had. Why they wouldn't have talked to us for so long. If we've well, I, lost... Go ahead. At this point, I'm going to give you an intelligence. Eh, so this will be a wits. This will be a wits, and we'll say awareness. Okay. This is going to be nine, because you haven't... Uh, it has to be nine. We'll leave it there. My reasons I'll keep close to the chest as an ST. Awareness is not a thing that I have, so I can't make this. Yeah, I don't have awareness. Um, so, on, on on this case, it's just flat out. It's going to be your wits. <laughs> acting. You know, it's not the same as it was. Well. Yep, fail. But the other thing you could say is that that's a that that's got to be better than the Vienna Chantry is the thing that comes to mind. You said it was the second best of Vienna Chantry, but well, it would be now. We, we well, no, I mean, like you couldn't think of a Chantry that has time dilation. <laughs> that much I'll give you to warrant why you're rolling. Um. So, quick question. I'll edit this out. This character sheet that I at least have, I think it's first edition because it's got linguistics. Mm-hmm. It, they don't have awareness. Like, as an option. Um, the, I mean? No, but I built the sheet. It's like I had that on there, and I would have added two if you get it. It was on purpose. These guys are not. Oh, okay. You okay. Not super spiritually. <laughs> okay. Correct. And if you remember your yeah. background with the character, he's mm-hmm. he's built that way. He knows formulaic. 
Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So, um, okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've, I feel like I've made my conclusion, at least in one aspect of my duty. Um, let me ask you this in, in, in broad strokes, uh, Brooks, what, um, what, what do you think is left undone at this point in our investigation, right? When we report to just the car, Carfax, what will he be asking uh, the, the reason, the reason we're here is, is left undone. We still don't know why the Pontifex did not follow protocol. The apprentice was under strict information control and either did not know or refused to divulge why. Okay. That's different. This is an intelligence politics role. Okay. This difficulty is five and I count that you are our gods. <laughs> One success. <laughs> <laughs> I got seven. Holy shit. It's going <laughs> to slam you in the head. It's because it's weird. And it's probably the time dilation magic you ascribe to the Chantry. This guy would blatantly, you're higher rank than he is in clan and out of clan. And he would deceive you. He would stop you from going somewhere or, or giving you direct information or reasoning. That's grounds to have him staked and dragged out of that place. Mm-hmm. And you could have done it and it hits you in the head. Someone fucked with your head. You know that immediately. Your archons, you've done it numerous times, so cover up a scene, deal with people. One of the classic signs that something is off is time dilation to the victim. Mm-hmm. You may not know what was said to I you, see you may not know what saying. was taken away, but you can't account for a lot of the time that you were there. Tibbins, no, no chantry, not even Vienna would have anything that would slow down time. That was just something was used to manipulate our memories. I don't think it was that apprentice, at least not through non-thaumaturgical means, but I don't know of a ritual that would do that. Certainly one of a lower generation than us could. That only leaves... And more importantly, the factor would be neither one of you remembers the other one being dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one that would took the words right out of my mouth. So someone that can manipulate the memories of multiple people at the same time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, what my conclusions are. Mm-hmm. Uh, my judgment is that with respect to the clan, or I'm sorry, the sect. Cam just tried to do whatever they could do about Sejetis and failed. And so now they're waiting and seeing what's going to happen, especially with Baltimore due south of here. And um, with respect to the clan, Dorfman is making a play for maybe DC? Uh, maybe leadership of what's left of our clan? Um, we don't know, but he's safe behind his castle walls, and there's no incentive for him to 
expose his hand right now. I I don't think he's making a play to lead the clan as he is not doing anything to lead the clan. We have been sent here to actually bring him out of this to lead the clan. I don't know. So I, I don't think Carfax would have something to say about that. <laughs> I think that, Carfax, that's what Carfax told us. I thought Carfax and Dorfman had some sort of subtle question between the two of them as who was more fit to be the current leader of the clan. Carfax is the Justicar. I'm aware. Maybe they did mess up your memory more than I thought. That is why we have been brought here to bring him out. There was questions why he broke protocol, but there is no one else out there that can of high enough station to take any leadership position. Okay, allowing that he may not give a shit who the leader of the clan is right now, what I'm saying is that I think Dorfman's just hiding, and he knows he's got status and rank to back it up. He doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do right now. And it's clear that he and Sejanus are having a shadow joust. I, I feel like you're going back and forth between saying com- two completely different things. So... What do you- what I'm saying is that Dorfman has his influence and Sejanus has his. And I think that the effect of the cam trying to kill Sejanus is to more overtly level the playing field between the two of them. So neither of them want to be seen right now because they would expose themselves to the other. But this is a next stage in, in the conflict between them, whatever that is. And it happens that Sejanus doesn't currently have his title as prince anymore. But I don't, unless I'm just, there's just a big obvious thing I'm missing. Dorfman's fine. Chantry's secure. Everybody knows Sejanus isn't the prince anymore, but his control of the city's fine. City's stable. Some of the former primogen are still living. What we know happened that shouldn't have happened is that some of our uh, some titled Camarilla members in this town have been killed. Dorfman has got an iron fist around the Octagon House. Airport's still secure. Sabat's still over in Baltimore. Like, If you're saying that Carfax communicated to you that we were supposed to bring Dorfman out of there, that was not my understanding. My understanding was that we were supposed to discover whether he was still alive, eh, why he didn't report, fair enough, but I didn't hear any mandate that we were supposed to drag him onto the throne. Am I tripping? Pretty sure you are. Okay. Let's say that I am. How do you because propose- the, the Chantry being destroyed, the Prime Chantry in, G- in Vienna, us not having an inner council anymore. Uh, yes, that, that is why we are the House Tremere right now has no leadership aside from the Justicar. And you, your theory is that the Justicar wants to change that? I know the Justicar wants to change that. Most of the Tremere that have not left to the other House want that. 
It's just who. So who would that be? Next in line is one of the 49 Pontifexes. Yeah, or at most than, 49. Who, who better than the head of the DC Chantry? Sure. But again, are we going to like, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that if they, if the camera mounted such a severe attack, right, on the former prince of the city, why would they just send the two of us to drag a pontifex out of his fortress? If, if because the, the first mandate- one didn't work, because the first one didn't work, and second of all, this one is we're not we're we're not trying to kill the pontifex. I don't know I'm why you compare that. Him. I'm just saying if he's over here in transient, not doing the thing he's supposed to do, and we were supposed to compel some compliance, why would they just send the two of us, especially? Like, they can't reach him. They would send us because they're Archons, and who else would you send to this Pontifex when there's no inner council? The Jestas? What? You're saying that they would send just us, just the two of us, to try to compel compliance from this Pontifex. No one's trying to compel compliance. We're trying to find out information. Those are two different things. I'm open to suggestions. Uh, I need time to think of a different approach. If you're asking me, there is a lot to go through, a lot to figure out, which means we need to find a place to stay in DC. That is not a chantry. Yep. We can perform our, Customary rituals on a hotel room, I'm sure consequences won't be too severe. And it's not hard. They're telling me to get you a hotel room. They got you booked at the Hilton. There we go. Real easy. It's, uh, it's simple enough. What they do, though, is you don't have a suite, so it avoids the balcony whole sunlight theory. But what you do have is a double bed. Right? Two beds separated in the same room with no window. It's, it's that. Got a TV. It's a budget buy, <laughs> but you have what you need in the room, which is no freaking sunlight. Ideal. No sunlight is ideal. Uh, yes. Thank God. I do not want to burn in my sleep. But time to get your theory as we're piecing it together. Um, is it safe to say you guys are at a point to where it's like a lot more investigating we got to do? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like we're the two archons who've been assigned to unravel decades of DC, which is fine, but that's a campaign. <laughs> so, what I'm going to say is we can put a put a stop pin to this, or we could run, you guys got another two sessions we could sink into this uh, to feel this out. But I kind of feel, for the scenario purposes, Shadows Coalesce, we realize the full difficulty of what oh, is yeah, going 100%. on in the city from the Tremere perspective, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. There's, it's So what are the possibilities from this story? Like, knowing that's done, we're going put to the, put the dagger in this. What can Archons do? Right, we sent Tremere Archons in to unscrew this clan and figure out why they've gone silent. I'll yeah, tell you the, the actual plot, but you, you tell me what you think is going on. 
Well, I, I said in character what I think is going on. I think that Dorfman has recognized an opportunity to gain status both in clan and in the cam by being the one to swoop in at the right moment here in D.C., but the mm-hmm. right moment hasn't presented it, it, itself. So he circled the wagons at the pantry, and he's waiting to see whose throat to cut or what the next move is going to be because he's got so much power of his own already. Okay. What about you, Brendan? I um, I don't know. That idea doesn't really sit well with me. I don't know if he's like around the responsible for removing the you know other Camarilla members. I I feel more like he's gone onto a defensive posture. Um, but I don't know if he would do some weird thing like joining up with Sejanus now that Sejanus is a outed Methuselah and we don't have that you know Chalice connection to the inner council anymore. So the Pontifex doesn't have any ritualist ritualistically enforced loyalty. And he is probably the second most powerful person behind Sejanus in this city. So, so what I'm going to tell you is come clean because it's close, right? Um, The Pontifex is power hungry. uh You don't get that title without being that way. And that's why he competed with Patel. He's supremely power hungry. Sejanus is the actual problem. But in this case, I wouldn't call him the problem. He may be conf- Bjorn did. He does work for Sejanus, 100%. That mm-hmm. was dropped. So do the two Malkavian doctors. There were people who were here who you might have feared him as Vitell. Now you know why the reason you should fear him, but wait, wait a minute. We don't, we have to keep everything? Yeah, you just do your part. That's written in. Those who play a part in his weird sect get to stay, and they're happy. They weren't leaving anyway. We'll just call it that. Cohen... And, well, let me rephrase that, not Cone. Uh, the Pontifex is a different matter. Now, it'd be foolish to assume that they don't know what happened to Vienna, right? That's foolish to think about it. Yeah. But let me say that he had an idea ahead of time because the Pontifex, Dorfman, suffered the beckoning. Mm-hmm. He felt the pull and was looking for a way out of it. What you don't know is in the course of him looking for a ritual, what happened in Helena helping out and everything else, there's an apprentice who's an infernalist that exists in this chantry. That you didn't even get to meet, right? Not yet. A person who was on to him because he was creepy, he didn't like him. His name was Piter. Now, it's not Cone Rose who's the infernalist because you met him, but let's just say the deal of the century went out and the Pontifex influenced the rest to keep quiet and fall in line. Now, there were signs of this. Number one, uh, well, I should explain the Pontifex. The beckoning was staved off, it cost him a little thing called his soul. <laughs> You don't want to be pulled to an ancient? Let's wheel and deal. A guy of his arrogance and caliber is not going to lose his political hold over countries, mm-hmm. which is really what the book says he has, just because a little thing like your soul. So he'll figure out a way to cut the devil out of the details, so to speak, later on. But for the time being, he needs a buffer. So that's what was offered to him and he accepted. This gives great power to that apprentice who becomes a gemstone, somebody to keep hidden from everybody. When you mm-hmm. said you're an astern coming in, Helena warned you from coming. Mm-hmm. it's all she could do because her mind is completely conditioned. She absolutely is. It's enough of her will to buck back against the Pontifex to give you that warning. It also adds to why they're completely silent. Eventually you would come here, but would you be able to pick up enough to do it? Well, provided they don't get violent, that's the idea, right? Yeah. So the overall connection here was just that piece of the puzzle lets you know why they were like, Sure, you could talk to Dorfman. But the point where you got, quote-unquote, dominated, 
that that had nothing to do with Sejanus. If that was your thought, I kind of feel feel that maybe somebody thought that was no, no, it, it simply wasn't. What it is is that uh, the Dorfman did come through and did something very simple and insidious. When he walked in, he looked like Cone Rose. That's what you remember. You believe you talked to Cone Rose the whole time. The true matter of the story is that Cone Rose is the one that's in the city trying to get a hold of Piter, a guy who he allegedly hated because mm-hmm. it's the last known Archon he talked to, knowing he's <laughs> not an Archon and hopes to get out of the city. That guy's trapped and being hunted because Cone Rose did not accept the devil's deal. He fled before uh, any trouble could happen. And that's who you were talking to the whole time. Now, okay. for me, do I make rolls in advance? Of course I did. But you nailed it on the head, Mike, when you got suspicious. Why is he avoiding my question? Yeah. You, you, you yeah. get the idea now? There was yeah. weird behavior that yeah. went through here. And then he's like, after all, you do outrank me. Yeah. And that's his ego getting cheeky humor that you never once pushed the rank to try to get an answer out of him that she should have, mm-hmm. which is an awkward position. But that's one of the tells of this pawn effects that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So um, as this game went on, sure. Long enough timeline, you'd figure it out. But you remember the warning I said of choosing the scenario? <laughs> it's going to spiral. <laughs> it's going to be a thing. Either you're going to be paralyzed in theories and what to do and maybe or how have it, or maybe you'll smash mouth figure it out. But for mm. some reason, I had a theory. If you guys were playing Tremere, you, you were going to Tremere it. Right? Unexpectedly, you Tremere, Tremere it. We're going <laughs> to slow roll, kind of figure it out. Yeah, nah, nah. You know, we'll get to it. I mean, that's the, that's the tradition, right? Like, you're supposed to be, you know, we're too cool, we're too smart to just go in here bumbling around like fools, right? There's got to be a method to this. Let's just slow down and observe. That's, that's what you're supposed to do when you Tremere. It's just proving my point. Give players <laughs> responsibility like a title. Man, <laughs> are their hands held. You let them play neonates and don't give a shit? We are whipping sewer lids down the street, smashing people in the face. That's just how it goes. But I like the take on it. The, the actual scenario in the book for BJD warn against this. You know, they don't warn, but they tell you that this is a possibility because it is an impossible task to check in a chantry for one of the many affairs that are there. And to me, it's self-written. An infernalist in that chantry would have seized the chaos to make a move. And when that guy felt the beckoning, I'm going to have to leave. Here's the deal. I'm terrified. Offer the one thing to keep him. And it writes itself from that point forward. So it's a it's a good thing. But uh, I appreciate it. That, that brings our game to a conclusion. Um, <laughs> for those watching, we hope it was worth it. I understand if there was a lot of mystery sidestepping, doing whatever, but it picks up in other chapters. It just so happens that uh, we chose a lot of combative uh, scenarios before, and in this one, I honestly, I expected this to get combative. I thought for certain we were smashing Cone in the face or maybe it's time to tell blood boil a bruja behind the counter to re- tell me a straight answer, buddy. But you guys so, played smart. And that's what I'm saying. First of all, I feel like it was worth saying not enough not enough vampire games that I've observed, like watching actual plays and whatnot, not enough of them uh, come down to like applying your yourself, right? Even when it's not beer and pretzels, we play it like it is. Like, yeah. fuck it, we kick this guy, this dude, we're going to find out what's going on today, get it done. Like, you know, you get wound up and you start having fun. So I like the idea that some games you got to, like, try to weave and, like, figure out what's, uh, you know, be intelligent as opposed to aggressive. Sometimes you can be I, both. But Your instincts you know. were sound. I know the plot was good because both of you were onto something. It's just <laughs> I watched you also go, look, the Justicar asked for this info. Do we have enough yet? 
And it was like, I don't feel it's enough. We need more time, but I'll think of something. We need to talk to him. And I was like, alas, whatever more game sessions will do it, but I feel we know how this is going to go. <laughs> right? It was going to be investigated, figure out to the big dance. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But that's the that's the mess of it. But I will tell you, this does demonstrate that uh, Thaumaturgy is not the only way to, to weave through a plot and elder and delivery of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So fun times, guys. Good job. Um, I award you characters XP, and may they do well. Mm-hmm. Mr. Janus is hellacious DC. XP Thanks, dance. folks, for watching. And uh, we'll catch you next time, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.